Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. It's time to add some spice to your nooner. Nooner. <laughs> Funny. This is the place where big time guests, bold opinions, and little cute doggies come together. This, this is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back in. On a Thursday, Rothman and Ice, the Iceman is out and the bullpen phone is on and it's jensen lewis up in c-town we are presented by your local pella window and door showroom on gemini parkway j lou how you doing my man always good to be with you ar uh welcome back uh you were telling me that uh, how many weeks now you've been back in the studio i know just getting uh dressed and everything now that going to work though all those things coming back natural for you yeah the getting dressed part yes that that <laughs> that's uh not happening i'm still as casual as casual gets we're gonna stay that way for a while um showers optional you know in okay. radio we know all that right. showers optional i think during the pandemic for most people i was one of those people Showers okay. optional. Then I started working out a little bit, so I had to shower a little more. Beautiful. But uh, how long, CB? How long has it been? A month? I don't even know. We came I would back say May a little 3rd. bit over. Oh, you know what? What am month, I talking maybe? about? Like, wait, when did we come back? Early May? Mid May? May third? It was Does about mid May. So I'd say about a month and a half. Okay. Yeah. See. Wow. Feels All like right. forever. There you go. Feels like forever, pal. Back in. I'd... Back in the uh, in the saddle. Good to be with you, buddy. Yeah. As Great always. to have you. Uh, we'll hit a lot today. We'll do a we'll do some baseball certainly. Uh, we'll do a little preview of the Derby, although we'll probably trail that into tomorrow as well. Uh, Lightning win another cup, but there's a loophole there. I'm not going to get too crazy about the loophole, but I'm going to tell you about it uh, and and get your your feelings on it. Uh, we'll talk Cincinnati with uh, James Rapine, locked on Bengals at 1:33. Joey Kaufman will join us from the dispatch, talk a little Ohio State football as we get ready. For fall camp, soon enough, he'll jump on at 2.33. And then this hour, at 12.33, Brian Hedger, the Columbus Dispatch, who's been all over um, the incredible tragedy with Matisse Kivlenix and the Blue Jackets trying to heal and then move forward the best they can. And it is a tragedy beyond words. And, mm. you know, yeah. the it's it's interesting to me, and, you know, the the fireworks and all of that, and, and we can debate on whether that's right or wrong or safe or not or who should be doing that, but I was over at, at, at the fitness center at Little Turtle the other day, and um, one of my friends in there, Carrie, was talking about how she was on vacation, and I don't even know if she knew about this, and she started talking about how they were shooting off fireworks, and the thing tilted, and started shooting, and everybody ran. And she said it blew a hole in the house. Oh, I go, I go. Wow. You know what just happened? And she's oh, basically she had heard of it, but didn't know every detail on it. Right. And it's it's as scary as scary gets. I don't even be anywhere near them anymore. Um, watch them from afar. That's great. But uh, I, you know, I see everybody on Twitter, you know, posing with their their stuff and. You know, the only thing you can hope is that maybe this is a wake-up call for the people, for the amateurs that, that that do it and that are involved. And so, but anyway, Hedge will come on at twelve thirty-three, and we'll talk about the impact. Because you know, from a goalie standpoint, certainly he was going to impact the team and 
try to become an NHLer full-time and maybe be a backup or maybe challenge. He certainly had a future. You never know in this league who's going to be great and who's going to turn out uh, to not be. We saw two amazing goalies in the Stanley Cup final oh, between yeah. Price and Kuchera, um, Price and Vasilevsky, but the fact uh, remains that the better team won, and we'll talk about that in the next segment. You uh, hit me up on this earlier today on how the the Olympics coming up is going to be a a real impact potentially with nobody there watching. Is that right? Yeah, it sounds like they've made the official decision now. Uh, the uh, Tokyo, 20, uh, tw- Tokyo 2020 president, uh, uh, Hashimoto, had said uh, Thursday that they had spoken with all the ministers, all the health people. Uh, and originally, AR, this was supposed to be – they were going to have limited spectators anyway. I think about 50% of venue capacity is what they were looking at. But the caveat of that – was that it was just going to be locals. So you had to be a resident of Japan. Uh, so, I mean, this this would have been mm. a, a severely... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this because this is what it was. It would have been a severely biased you know, home advantage for any Japanese athlete there because they were not allowing uh, other people from other countries to come in. Uh, understandably, from where their issues with COVID are, and I guess it has really surged big time there, and, and basically they said they, mm-hmm. they have no other choice. You're two weeks out. You've already you know put it back a year, and I, and I think you nailed it as we were talking before the show. The amount, the billions of dollars that have already been lost – you you can't go over two. So this is literally made for TV. Uh, we've mm-hmm. already gone. We've already gone yeah. through a year of watching NFL games and and March Madness games and things like that uh, that were were uh, not really attended whatsoever. So uh, as you said too, this is a, a uniquely individual event for two weeks. Uh, there are obviously team mm-hmm. events, but when you think about you know the the swimming and the gymnastics, a lot of things that. That uh, most of the of the common fan pays attention to. This may not be too different than than what they're used to from a training regiment. But I know, I mean, and I'm speaking as a former athlete. I can already tell you what the difference is having people in the stands, having a packed arena, having a packed stadium, especially if you're the home team. If you're you've got a support system there, it it can be a difference maker. So I think this is a a real fascinating case study. And who who is self motivated? Who literally mm-hmm. wants it more than maybe someone who's been to to two or three Olympic games already? But yeah, the decision has been made. The IOC and and Tokyo, uh, right there in the capital, have said no fans uh, at the venues, and uh, they will probably step up some of their quarantine um, and and distancing uh, protocols there just to keep the athletes safe. Yeah, well, they got a state of emergency again in Tokyo. Yep. You know, it's mm-hmm. their heavily populated area. They've seen a spike. In the cases, and now they're they're going to put some heavy restrictions on it. You want it to happen, so it's July twenty third to August eighth, and you start getting all these infected cases, and in, including Tokyo, and and all of a sudden they got to make a move. You want to have the games, like you said, they've already been postponed from twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one, right? And that's it. And you've got to apologize to those who had tickets to the event and planned. It's this is we're we're all going through this, and so mm-hmm. you're trying to get you're trying to get these athletes to compete. I'm glad you mentioned, for, you know, the Olympics. The opening ceremonies will suck, right? I oh, mean, gosh, that's yeah. all about the fans. But <laughs> yeah. the actual uh, events themselves, you're right. Outside of relays and team events, yes, if your personality is wired where you thrive on fans and you perform better when eyeballs are watching you in person. You're right. You you you're at a disadvantage now. If your personality uh, 
lines up with that, then I get that. But you're right. From an Olympic standpoint, we're watching the event. You're competing against the clock. You're competing against judging. You're competing against individual outside of the team stuff we've mentioned. There shouldn't be a major feel for us watching that we're not watching Olympics. So, you know, no fans in person at the games is going to be, you know, a disappointment. But I agree with you. I think that you're still going to have exactly what you went after, which is putting these individual athletes on display and letting them go after it. Yeah, and uh, just a, a bow on it for you, AR, from, from where the financial impact here is, 75% of the total revenue for the Olympics is selling broadcast rights. So as you know, like when you watch the World Cup and things, you know, is presented commercial free by Coca-Cola, et cetera. I mean, that, that's a lot of the chunk of change. If they were to knock this out and mm-hmm. not do it again, AR, it's a four billion, that's yeah. four B yeah. billion dollar loss. Uh, if they were canceled. So uh, how they're going to do this, it's 11,000 Olympians. It uh, looks like 4,400 Paralympians. Um, uh, it looks like the Olympic Village, 80% of the residents at least will be vaccinated. So they're going to do whatever they can on that front You know, for those close quarters where uh, all those athletes from all the countries will be. So it, it really will be fascinating to see day-to-day. I mean, because th- you think about it, going through training, going through you know practices, how they're going to go about meals. Uh, we've already gone through a year of this, uh, and every, everyone's country did it a bit differently. Uh, but now you've got hundreds of countries of people who have done it differently all in one spot. And, uh, you know, Tokyo, uh, the, the country of Japan, they have their hands full for sure. You know, it remind, this story leads to the other one, which is the U.S. track star, uh, Shakari Richardson, who, yeah. who, you know, 21 years old, Gold medal favorite to win the 100 meter at Tokyo. Uh, tested, got popped for marijuana. And so her dreams of an Olympic gold gone. And U.S. track and field said, now they could have put her on the four by 100 relay team because her 30 day suspension was set to end prior to that event. Right. Which is probably what they should have done. But it doesn't take away, and I said this to CB before the show. I I haven't I don't want to get too far ahead because I want to hear her I know she's kind of broken her silence I have not heard it she's the fastest woman in America she smoked weed she claims to cope with stress she had lost her biological mother and incredible amounts of stress as she prepared for the US trials but didn't she know <laughs> you would have to like, you'd have to believe yeah. I, I mean I'm not I am not taking away anything from her as far as what mm-hmm. she had to deal with Right, But did she not think that this could happen? And didn't she gamble with that? I mean, you're going to get tested. Like, so the accountability, yeah. mm-hmm. to me, it, it, I want her to heal the way she needs to heal. If not going for gold was more important to her and dealing with the stress, then that's what she should deal with. But trying to do it both ways and then have it both ways... Is do that. I just don't think you can, and I, no. I I don't know much you know more about it than that. They probably should have said, "Hey, your thirty day suspension is up. Mm-hmm. You can be on the four by one hundred relay team, and that'd be fine." But they they did not do that because obviously they feel like that she knew the rules and she's got to accept it and move forward. And that's part of being a world class athlete. But I was so yeah. surprised. You're the fastest woman in America. You're getting ready yeah. for the Olympics. 
If you're going through a horrible time personally, I get that. But you had to know mm-hmm. that uh, with everything coming up that this could happen. Yeah, well said. Uh, I'll, I'll put a bow on it for you. The analogy from the baseball side, you know, we have posted in every locker room, uh, you know, the rules and regulations of the performance enhancing substances. And then obviously, uh, you know, the recreational drugs, things like that. It's posted everywhere, AR. And, and in camp before the mm-hmm. year starts, you're, you're given a copy, you're shown a video. Uh, there is, they do everything possible to be like, you were fairly warned multiple times every single day. So you are accountable for what goes in your butt. Only you can do that. So I, I again, I, I agree with you from the from the mental side. You and and what she's had to deal with personally, you you absolutely feel for. Her, but she had to know, and and every other person that was in that camp had to know as well. Yeah, um, I'll try to get a few more details. Maybe we'll even get a little sound from her on how she uh, feels about it. We'll come back. Uh, we'll hit this lightning double cup. And the loophole that allowed them literally to have a big-time roster. Not that they didn't have the best goalie in the world, and that's probably the tiebreaker for me. They would have won it anyway. But this is interesting to say the least. Off and running, Rothman and Ice on the fan. If the fan were a baseball team, Morning Juice would be our leadoff hitter. A leadoff hitter who's slow and hits lots of homers. Weekdays starting at 6. The fan. Just a couple of guys whose love for fantasy sports may exceed their love for real sports. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back in. Rothman and Ice, Jay Lewin for the Iceman today. I really wanted that thing to go to six games. I wanted it to get a little weird. I did not. Oh, well, yeah, you're different. By the way, everybody got crushed on the puck line, man. (laughs) Every expert that I... Every (laughs) expert that I... Saw yesterday and the day before said, well, "Lay the goal and a half with Tampa. Oh. You'll get the empty netter. They're Ooh. gonna. By the way, they are so good after a loss. Like, and that's why fifteen and zero. Yeah, and that's why I'm not faulting people for wanting to go all in mm-hmm. on betting Tampa to cover that puck line of a goal and a half. It, it made sense. Um, I thought first of all, I thought Carey Price gave them every chance, Montreal." to steal another game. No and much. he made great saves in the first. He caught one in his armpit off Kucherov. He killed off, yeah. they killed off a penalty. There were a lot of big hits in that game last night. I liked it. Everybody trying to take the edge off. Uh, Montreal was hitting a lot of iron last night. and But, you know, the Bolts' hard work led to that layup goal. Uh, a little work on the wall by McDonough and then savvy to Colton on the doorstep. And now you're one nothing late second. But getting the first goal in a game like that, J. Lou, is so key when it's 0-0 deep into the second because in front of that crowd, which is such a big advantage for Tampa, mm-hmm. in front of that crowd, you don't score first. It doesn't mean they're not coming back. It just means that now you're starting to like, okay, we're up 3-0. We didn't sweep them. They won one. Now they're up in our building. Things get a little more, a little bit, you know, the pressure starts to go up a little bit. Um, but, you know, Tampa's got so much depth. And, you know, the Lightning have scored first in the playoffs 18 times. Like it's like that. That's and they they've got enough firepower to come back. They don't need to be scoring first. Vasilevsky had a big save in the final minute of the second. That would have tied the game. I think Lekkinen's deflection in the slot. They came up the ice and then Point drew a penalty there, so it all, the emotion changed. Um, Andre Pilat had a chance to make it to zip, um, but Price was just blind and he throws his pad out and and keeps that a game. I'm glad they got to pull Price late to to give it a shot. 
Anderson had a great series. That stretch pass to him. He's skating backwards. He gets a shot on Vasilevsky. Kind of rings himself up on the post. Had to leave the game and came back. Uh, Suzuki had an open shot in the slot with about 13 minutes to go, and he missed. But they got to pull Price. They got a little action, but nothing great. A lot of block shots, and and Tampa goes on to win it. I know you bet them on a future a while back, but I thought people got crushed on the on the puck line. Let me give you. So you're right. They've won 15 straight after a loss yep. over the last two postseasons. Uh, but Montreal was good when they were facing elimination. They were undefeated when they were facing elimination. Uh, Tampa was minus 250 going into game five on the money line, which is pretty rich. That's why everyone bet Tampa minus a goal and a half at plus 110, and they got hammered. 75% mm-hmm. of the tickets went on Tampa Bay at Caesars. Um, and so there you go. For all those first goals in the postseason at home, and they were there was too good to be true. But everybody loved the Bolts, and... They came through again. Uh, a couple other uh, good nuggets on uh, at least the wagering front there. Uh, when you think about just the Stanley Cup playoffs as a whole, uh, there is a, a couple, of, and again, as we get into legalized wagering here in the state of Ohio, probably by next year, uh, you'll see some of these some of these props, some of these uh, kind of in the minutia. So uh, there, there is a prop. AR of will there be a goal in the first 10 minutes or the first mm-hmm. nine and a half minutes of a period last 17 games in the playoffs that the lightning had played uh, the no hit in 13 of the 17. So 13 and four to the no, will there be a first will be there a goal by either squad? Doesn't mm-hmm. matter either. Uh, will there be a goal in the first 10 minutes of the first period? And then the first period under one and a half, uh, which if you followed the big six a couple of years ago, I think it was the Blackhawks, uh, the Knights. I think Columbus was in there as well. But first period under, last 19 playoff games for the Tampa Bay Lightning, whoever they were playing, mm-hmm. the under hit 16 out of 19. So 16 and three yeah, well. on the under there. You got the best goalie in the world. It helps. Yeah. You know, you just don't want you you want your own team that you're betting on to outscore the under, which is, right. which is usually what happens. Now, back last year, Tampa Bay, uh, put Nikita Kucherov uh, on long-term injury reserve. He he, he was going to miss the entire regular season. He had the hip surgery. I'm not taking. He did have hip surgery. This is not a lie. Um, he was expected to be back in time for the playoffs, and everybody started to get a little suspicious of that. And because what it does, it allows them to place him on LTIR, and they can spend his 10 million to sign other players. And then when the playoffs come, guess what happens in the in the NHL? Your salary doesn't ring up on the cap in the postseason. So you can activate him without a penalty since the cap doesn't matter in the playoffs. Wow. And, and so <laughs> it's amazing how tight they were against the cap and a number of guys to resign. It seemed like, wow, that's convenient. That's convenient. Now, I'm not, this has happened before. The Blackhawks had Kane on LTIR when they won the cup, I think in 16. And so I'm not, I, I don't think suddenly he got injured. I'm not saying that. Right. Um, I'm not questioning his injury here. And but I'm telling you, normally what takes four to six months to recover, and most of them are about four months. And so there was a little doubt I had, and, and not all circumvention of the cap is illegal, but it was pretty amazing to me that I mean that John Cooper said he wasn't going to be ready, and uh, the only reason Kucherov practiced in a gray jersey is that no player likes wearing the red one, oh, but the God. players understand understood <laughs> not to hit him. Like, yeah, sure. Like, here's the deal. 
most guys are wearing not wearing a contact, or I've never seen a dude wear a contact jersey before they're ready to go. I've never seen that before. Mm-hmm. So it, it was pretty convenient to me um, that they're trying to do a little damage control here. And, you know, I don't think Kucherov, he was obviously a big factor. And they're a great team. And they probably win it anyway. With or without him. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know what the NHL can do about this. It seems to me like this is, you got it. The second that dude is skating, he's got to come off LTIR for me. Like, th- like that's a, a pretty amazing thing, what happened with that. And then come the playoffs and they activate him and, and he's amazing and he makes a difference. But according to everything I've read about LTIR, you've got to pull that dude after they're ready to play. And he's been, he was skating for a month. And he was skating with the team with a non-contact jersey? Like, how blatant is that? And then and then all of yeah. a sudden appears at a practice in a contact jersey? So I thought he was ready to play. The team doctors weren't clearing him. And that's where it becomes what I call legal cap circumvention. And I think there's a reason to be a little upset about that. But like I said, they're the best team. And they, they won. Maybe what makes me most upset is... Is Kucherov then going full boozy post game? Oh God! Bare, do you have the cut? Yes. Yeah, do you bare, bare chested boozy <laughs> post game? How would you describe your emotions right now after doing what you guys did? I, I, I don't know what to say. Back to back, and yeah, you know, I I couldn't sleep for three nights. You know, and to be able to win this game is huge. Wasi was outstanding. MVP. I was telling him every day, Wasi, you MVP. You, you're the best player. And then they gave it to whatever the guy in Vegas, the Vezina. <laughs> and then last year they, they gave Vezina to somebody else. Number one bull. Number one bull. Wasi took both cups. You know, he took MVP and I was keep telling him he's MVP. He's the guy that <laughs> he's the best. You know, he was on his head today and you know, he kept us in the game, and another shout-out by him, remarkable. Can't even tell more. I'm so happy. we. I didn't want to go back to Montreal, but they acted, the fans in Montreal, come on. They acted like they won the Stanley Cup last game. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Their final was last, last series. Okay. All right. First wow. of all, you had a full <laughs> building. They had nobody. Their right. fans were outside the building. You're going to yeah. hammer them? They had 100,000 uh, avoiding uh, COVID protocol. <laughs> right. They had, thir- what, they have 3,500 CB in the arena? I don't even yeah. know. Give or take, yeah. And, and, and the bolts are packed to the rafters. Um, listen, the beer, the expletives, I'm here for it. I get it. It's a hockey player. They just won the cup. But, you know, you're the LTIR dude, and mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. You, you led the playoffs in scoring 32 points in 23 games. I get how good you are. Like what? Ha- I said to CB earlier. What happened to the professional man? It's like an enhanced version of a high school player, man. Now it's like it's unbelievable. Anyway, his his uh, they went wild, and there's Kucherov, the boozy post game. See how he's welcomed in uh, Canada next year. Unbelievable. See, how I mean, welcomed. they were happy they didn't get swept. I mean, give them a little bit. I don't think they acted like they won the cup because they won a game. They they were, they, were. Happy they stayed in it. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say. I know we get into a break. Remember, they came back from three one against Toronto. I mean, that was it. Yeah. That was as improbable as it was going to be. 
and then they had to come from behind, I think, in every series. Yeah. They, were, they weren't coming back in this one. I just no. wanted them to extend it. Yeah. Um, anyway. A little sweaty palms if we got to a that game would have been six. Nice. I, just, yeah. I wanted a low T last night again, and uh, we didn't get it. Brian Hedger, Columbus Dispatch, who covers the Jackets, um, had the very, very tough time of covering this uh Kivlenic story, but he's been all over the details of it and then what the impact of it is moving forward emotionally and then from the business side of hockey. That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. You love sports? We love sports. You love the Buckeyes? We love the Buckeyes. You love your mom? We love your mom. The fan, Ohio sports destination. They're both former athletes for a reason. Good thing they can talk sports. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back, Rothman and Ice, Anthony Rothman, Jensen Lewis. Uh, it's been an incredible, gut-wrenching time for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And a man who's had the unenviable task of covering this story. He's a professional. He is Brian Hedger. He's with us now on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline from the Columbus Dispatch. Hedge, thanks for making time for us. Anytime, Anthony. Thanks, man. Yeah, so you had to work this story, and and you've worked it as well as anybody can. Um, There were a lot of conflicting stories that came out, and nothing is bringing back this young kid. And I know that um, there's part of me that feels like, you know, I'm not doing my job if I don't ask the questions. And, you know, there's a a, certainly a morbid curiosity, um, but we all feel for the entire franchise. And to watch J.D., um, how emotional he was at the presser yesterday in Yarmo. Um, the perspective, I know this is a business and it's sports, and we can talk about coaching changes and players and dudes not wanting to stay, but this was a young kid. What was your interaction with Matisse over the short time he was with the Jackets and you know, got a chance to get in there at times, but everyone has said just what a, just a, a fun-loving, uh, down-to-earth most hockey players are, but uh, what was your interaction with him? Well, especially goalies. Goalies are usually pretty fun-loving and, and interesting guys. I love goalies. Um, you know, listen, for me, I mean, I think for everybody who who knew Matisse, I mean, it became personal a little bit because, you know, just what you said, the smile. I mean, he was, I, you know, you hear people, this, this will happen, and uh, pretty much everyone will say, well, this guy was the nicest guy ever, or whatever like that. Like, this is, gen- this is so genuine. Like, if you ever met Matisse Kavlenix, you would get a smile. Like, it would happen, and it's going to be this flashy thing, and he's going to make you feel better. And, you know, there's, there's, I mean, he only played eight games total with Blue Jackets in two seasons. Um, but we knew who he was, obviously, and, and had interacted with him as a, you know, prospect and, that, you know, Cleveland monster and that kind of thing. And for me, it actually goes back before that. Um, you know, before I even uh, came to Columbus to cover the Blue Jackets, I was still you know, covering the Blackhawks, uh, my last kind of thing there. And I went up to Traverse City, uh, to the Traverse City Prospects Tournament. And I remember I, I saw uh, Bill Zito, former um, assistant GM of the Blue Jackets, now GM of the Florida Panthers. And I saw him up there, and as we started talking and just kind of going back and forth. I had known him for years, and, and he said, hey, look at this goalie over here. He goes, check this guy out. And I was like, okay. And I mean, well, he's big, you know, that kind of thing. And he starts telling me, he's like, you know, we just signed this kid right out of the USHL, and he's going to play in the AHL next year. And he goes, that's almost unheard of. You know, like you, you don't usually just make that jump from the USHL and go play in the AHL. And he did it. 
you know, and, and originally it was supposed to be a thing where he just kind of got his feet wet in the AHL and 2017-18 was the first year, and there was injuries. And it turns out, you know, Matisse has got to play a bunch. I think he played over 40 games and did fairly well. He survived down there, you know. And so ever since then, I've always kind of kept a, uh, a lookout for him, you know, because Bill Zito told me about him. I saw him that day, you know, and, and that whole thing. That was four years ago already. You know, I ended up coming over here uh, to be the, you know, to cover the Blue Jackets. For first, the team website is Jackets Insider, uh, which is Jeff Savota now. And then now, you know, with the dispatch and, you know, it goes right up to um, the week leading up to them going to Novi, Michigan. You know, Jeff, speaking of Jeff, uh, both of us were out there at uh, Mid-Ohio the week mm-hmm. before that for a ride along. It was like the, it was, it was uh, Elvis and Matisse both were out there for a little ride along thing with IndyCar driver Alex Rossi. And he was in like a Baja racing truck and they just had the time of their lives, both of them. And yeah, I remember, um, you know, Matisse just, you know, giving the big smile and saying, Hey, I'm going to Michigan. And I said, we're going to Michigan. And he says, um, yeah, I'm going, I'm going, I can't wait to go up there, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, that's where I'm from. And he says, well, I'm going to Novi. And I was like, ah, I'm from Brighton, which is like 20 minutes away. And he's like, no way. But it was, it was, what was funny about it to me was, you know, usually when somebody goes to Michigan and they're excited about it, they're really excited. They're going to Traverse City or they're going to Mackinac Island or they're going somewhere, you know, some touristy place, not Novi, Michigan, you know. <laughs> and he was just really excited to do Fourth of July and everything. And, and then it turns out like this. The whole thing is just heartbreaking. It's heart-wrenching, you know. And, and you have to separate that, obviously, in my job and, and just, you know, do the professional stuff as well. But it's hard. <laughs> Brian, uh, it's Jensen, and uh, I, I think you summed it up about as well as, as anybody has. Uh, it is uh, just it, – it's still unfathomable to think he's gone. But as AR said, you know, the, the business side of it now presents itself. And, you know, with, with Corpus and with Elvis uh, here in, in tandem, uh, we, we certainly know that Matisse was going to be in the long-term plans, but sooner rather than later. Uh, how does the organization move forward, and especially with uh, the looming uh, issues with Seth Jones, uh, is there, has there been separation now between the emotions of this and then realizing, uh, you know, in the, ne- in the coming weeks here, we, we have a business to run, we have a team to rebuild and, and be able to kind of move forward? Yeah, I have, I have no doubt that they are going to still, you know, they're, they're going to be prepared for the expansion draft. They're going to be prepared for the NHL draft that follows in free agency. I mean, and part of that is because, you know, these, Yarmo Kekalainen and his staff, they're, they're meticulous planners, right? So I'm sure they've already, they already had a plan. Now this throws a wrench into the works, I'm sure, from a hockey perspective. I mean, we were all kind of expecting that, you know, Matisse would have potentially um, you know, been exposed in the uh, expansion draft to the Kraken because uh, you do have to have one goalie who's under contract who meets you know certain requirements. I think he met those requirements. Pretty sure I have to look it up exactly, but I think he met them. And that was going to be kind of like you know, then they wouldn't have had to expose you know Corposalo. And then Elvis actually isn't eligible. He hasn't been in the NHL. He hasn't been in, in North American pro game long enough. So you know what happens now? Like you like who's going to meet your goaltending requirement is it's it's either Corposalo or do they you know make a trade and get another goalie for that specific purpose you know to to become the expansion draft 
guy, you know. I mean, that that's the kind of stuff I'm looking at there. But as far as, you know, uh, this waylaying, any of their plans or anything like that, I don't think that's going to happen. That, wouldn't, that would surprise me because these guys are meticulous planners, this whole front office, and, they, and they've had a plan for a while now. And, you know, they'll, they'll just adjust, you know, to this. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's just – it's just very unfortunate for my, you know, a term that JD used yesterday, John Davidson, you know, this far reaching effects. Um, it couldn't be a better terminology for what has happened because, you know, you're talking personal stuff, you know, hockey stuff on ice, off ice. It, it affects everything. Uh, we'll give you a final one here, Hedge, on Seth Jones. Uh, J. Lou brought it up. Uh, what's your anticipation here as far as. Um, them making a move here before the draft with Jones or around the draft? Well, I mean, I think that you're going to, at least for, for me, you know, my gut feeling on it is that we're going to start to get some answers on a number of these questions within a matter of weeks now. You know, we're, we're, you know the 21st is the expansion draft. Uh, that, could prom- that could prompt some kind of trade potentially, um, you know, with Seattle and, and trying you know, to, like, not same, but, you know, if you remember back to the Vegas one, uh, you know, trades happened on that one as well. Um, yeah, but I think within the next couple of weeks, we, we could get an answer. I mean, I keep a lot of people keep saying Philadelphia, and I, I don't personally see you know why Philadelphia would be the the big draw there unless they really you know paid out the nose for it. Personally, if I were the GM, I don't know if I'm trading Seth Jones within uh, to a place he might resign that's within our division mm-hmm. or within the division. I don't know if I do that if it's me, but I'm not Yarmo. So um, that's the team that keeps getting thrown out there, them and, and Colorado and some other ones, Dallas, whatever, you know, places that he's familiar. But uh, we'll just have to see where it goes, you know. And, and honestly, this situation for me, instead of chasing down all that stuff, now I'm, I'm doing this. So it's, it's kind of hard to keep my finger on the pulse of both, of, you know, at the same time. I'm yeah. going to do my best. Understand. Uh, Brian Hedger, Columbus Dispatch. Thanks for jumping on, buddy. I, Thanks, I really Brian. appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. You got it. Hedge with the Columbus Dispatch. He was on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. When we come back, uh, we'll switch over to baseball. Two potential MVPs this year. One will not be around for the All-Star Game. Why not? We'll tell you next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Hot sports takes and 90-second movie reviews from their dumb producer. Now that's a recipe for success. Bishop and Laurinaitis. Weekday mornings at 9. The Fan. The hardest working show in the business. Or at least at this station. In their time slot. This is Rothman and Ice. Alright, we'll, we'll table the conversation on why your tribe has been held hitless in a game three times <laughs> this year. Uh, two officially. Uh, yes, two officially. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Seven inning. You're right. I don't really count those. I don't want to be a yeah. hypocrite. I, I don't yeah. like... I know it's a combined no-no for seven, but that's fine. I don't need a record book for that. The hardest yeah. outs to get are the final three or six. So that's, that's why right. I don't celebrate the seven inning no-hitter. As as someone who was paid to get those outs, I can yes. uh, 100% agree with you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're paid to get them, but imagine the dude that's already gotten about yeah. 20 of them or whatever. Well, I'll give you a caveat quickly here. Yeah. So um, I was involved in a no-hitter that was run-ruled, so it was a seven-inning one. Uh, when I was in high school, and then in college, I was part of a combined perfect game, and mm-hmm. I came in relief of our starter. So I already had the butterflies of 
I, I knew what was going on and taking the baton and trying to keep it going and then the utter horror of having to sit there through your friends and your roommates going out there <laughs> trying to get it across the finish line as an 18-year-old kid. Yes, yeah, there's a little heartbeat there for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jacob deGrom's first 15 games, 7-2, uh, and two, an ERA of just over 1, 1.08. I was hoping that he was going to become one of the first to have a sub one before the all-star break. Um, And before I go into the all-star stuff, he goes into the all-star weekend as a favorite to win his third Cy Young minus 750. That's like death and taxes. Like that's minus 750 is, you know, there's no reason to make the bet, but there may be value on him getting NL MVP. Mm hmm. At plus one fifteen, from what I'm seeing from mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. my guy, mm-hmm. um, so but then I read that he's not going to pitch in the All Star game, right? And he's the best pitcher in the game, and he turned down the option, and it is an option of pitching in the All Star game. Uh, Mets are forty five and thirty eight; they're top of the NL East, and he knows what's what's out there. And an injury could could throw away season. Now they're not asking him to pitch the whole game, right? An All Star, what's he going to do? He'd go in there pitching inning, right? Yeah, I mean, he'd likely start, and there have been some starters that have gone two innings. True. You remember the inf- Pedro yeah. Martinez punching out, what, five or six? So, yeah, yeah, it has happened before. So, I, I don't want to crush him for this. This is his option. I don't think a, a midseason all-star game is anything that's cheating the fans. It, it's in the middle of his season. Mm-hmm. Now, he could pitch because of he just pitched the other day, so I think he it would time out okay, although I don't know what start he'll have coming out of the all-star break. So that might affect the schedule, but you know this kind of stuff. Um, this dude cannot have an injury throw away his season, and I'm not saying that he'd get injured in an all-star game. I highly doubt it with the amount of pitches he would be throwing. But there's no way that he wants to risk it, and he's going to take the chance to be with his family and get healthy and go for it. I mean, he was under one in an ERA um, up until his last start. I think he was point ninety two to be exact. And so you have no issue with this, right? And the managers of the All-Star game, they don't want to they don't want to throw a guy. He's 33. He's having his best season of his career. And I, I, I guess, you know, by the way, who takes his place? How does that work? So they will go in. By the way, breaking news, uh, Carlos Correa and Jose Altuve have opted out of uh, the All-Star game. So okay. they, right. Al- Altuve was voted in as a, uh, or was not voted in as a starter, mm-hmm. uh, but both those guys were selected as reserves. So now what will happen... Yeah, those, uh, they so, don't have garbage cans in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you at Progressive Field, uh, when they came in, uh, both those guys, it was it was behemoth mm-hmm. from the uh, the Indian faithful. Good. And uh, I applaud them every single... And we were out of it in three of the four games early. So uh, they kept it up all the way through the ninth inning. So good for them. Good job out of them. But yeah, so that's three guys uh, so far. But it's, on your DeGrom point, first of all, he's already had two injury scares this yeah. year. He's already had to miss, uh, I think, a couple of starts anyway, just out of precaution. Uh, the Mets in first place. I still believe that they're going to have their hands full uh, you know, in that division. If you think about where the Mets offensively have really been inconsistent all year, it's not like they're the Brewers where they can kind of sit back a little bit and feel good about where they are. you got the hard-charging Washington Nationals. The Braves 
Uh, the three teams that are behind the Mets are four and four and a half games respectively. Atlanta and Philly four and a half back, Washington four back. So that division by no means is over, and they need every one of DeGrom starts because of how dominant he's been. So my guess is is that the front office went to him and said, listen, this is your choice, but we are going to absolutely recommend. <laughs> Strongly. We will we will pay for where you want to go. <laughs> you know, yeah. you've got more money than God, but we'll pay for you to literally not worry and go somewhere, rest up, so that we can start you that first game. And their fans half. might chip in too. Oh, sure, absolutely. I mean, if you're um, a fan of the, the Mets, you don't want him pitching. You don't want him yeah. doing anything. I agree. Bubble wrap, stay at home. Yep, enjoy it. His uh, K to walk ratio is ridiculous. He's he's been. Um, and here's the interesting part about all of this. We're in the sticky substance rough patch, mm-hmm. and he's still doing it. What's your read on that? Like, he's still not doing the sticky stuff, but, I mean, he's nothing is slowing him down. So it makes guys like Glasnow and, and Cole and other dudes, like, I, I, DeGrom has, has DeGrom been on the record about this stuff? Um, he hasn't had to be because, right. uh, Rothman, he is not from Earth. No, that's and, true. That's right. And, his, and his, it, he's born with Velcro hands. He, he, has, he has things that are not of this world. Right. Uh, that, is, that is the explanation. But yeah, go Garrett Cole, little post-spider uh, tech. Hey, yeah. get your popcorn here way, for the second Donaldson half, huh? against Giolito oh, crossing oh, the plate saying, no, it's oh. not sticky anymore. <laughs> I actually like Giolito's comment. Like, if you want to say it, then don't, don't give me this under your breath crossing the plate stuff. But he, he pulled the Happy Gilmore, and he said, you want to talk about it? I'll meet you in the parking okay. lot. Okay. All right. He did and say he did. that? All right. Good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he met him out there. Yeah. It, it was great. You, gotta, <laughs> you, don't hit, you, don't, you, you don't hit a dude with your pitching hand? Come on. Um, but anyway, yeah, congrats on DeGrom. By the way, if you grabbed him preseason. Um, I did. Um, I, I mean, I like DeGrom. For MVP? Uh, no, for us, uh, for the uh, Cy Young. Okay, uh, the right. MVP, well, he had to have been a north of what, 40, 50? Uh, I don't know where he was. I know he where he sits at plus 115, so he's ahead of Tatis and he's ahead of uh, 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 Ronald. Probably Ac- Acuna? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Acuna. So, um, but he's yeah. uh, minus 750 on the Cy Young now. I mean, forget it. It's crazy. So, yeah, I have no problem. I don't think anybody does. Midseason All-Star game. He's the best in the game. Take your chance to, to rest up. Don't blow the second half. Your team's in it, too. He's got a lot to, he's got a lot to pitch for. Team yep. success, personal stuff. He is – I have no issue with this all. It's no big deal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the other pitcher that there is a big deal about is Trevor Bauer. We'll talk about that next. Rothman and Ice on the Fan. If it's Buckeye football you crave, you've come to the right place. And if it's day drinking you crave, you've also come to the right place. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. One of them survives on almonds and broccoli. The other crushes frozen pizza in his unwashed sweats. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, second hour, Rothman and Ice, Anthony Rothman, Jensen Lewis. Glad you're with us on a Thursday here on The Fan. Uh, Very, very tough story about Trevor Bauer and the allegations against him. Neither one of us are here to to try to debate whether this is true or not. There'd be no way we could know. Um, But he has been accused of assault um, during intimate relations with a girl. And now all of a sudden... Um, 
And he's defended himself through his attorney, through his agent, mm-hmm. right? That he that it was wholly consensual, and that he has the text messages that will show that his accuser repeatedly asked for this rough behavior, mm-hmm. and. That's going to be, I think, very pivotal to a lot of this to show uh, when you have this, these types of allegations. But I, I know there are some people that have that have. I can't remember. The Dodgers now have, have done everything they can to to distance themselves during the investigation, and th- you have to do it, I, even if he's innocent right. of all this. I, mm-hmm. They were having a bobblehead night coming up for Trevor Bauer. You can't have that. Right. You don't know. And, and there'll yeah. be plenty of nights for bobbleheads. Like, I get that. Now, as far as, um, I, I don't think he's had a huge problem with being away from his team, J. Lou, because he doesn't want this to be overhanging over the Dodgers. It's it's horrible for all involved. It may be the worst for the alleged victim. I don't know. And I'm not yeah, here I, to tell you that. But it's sure. a, uh, So now there's a temporary restraining order, which means he has to stay, you know, 300 feet away from the alleged victim and... Um, now he's you know prohibited from going anywhere near her or house or place of employment. Not that he would, um, but the judge did grant the temporary restraining order. So that this is where we are with Trevor Bauer. He's been investigated now. He's thirty years old, and you know these are really rough allegations. It's a very he said she said. But when you show up to the hospital with those kinds of injuries, alleged injuries that she got from him, then this this sets off a very very difficult story to cover a difficult story to talk about that they'll have another hearing for july 23rd and which i guess at that point you decide whether the uh, restraining order is going to become permanent for a while or indefinite yeah and i mean basically that's that's about as much as as i or anybody in the game you know can comment on it because uh, it is a legal process uh, the league will obviously uh, be in tandem with their investigation, as you said, and I think you can't underline it enough of how extremely serious this is. Mm. Uh, there's no need to speculate on it because uh, obviously you and I are not involved in, uh, or any of uh, of the people covering the game are involved in these uh, discussions or these matters uh, with law enforcement. So all we can do uh, is wait for details to emerge on both sides. Statements, as you talked about, um, but it, it is it is extremely serious, and and I think you, you nailed it. Uh, the Dodgers had literally, and I know Dave Roberts was asked the question. Uh, his hands were literally tied. Uh, the commissioner had to institute. Uh, the administrative leave uh, only he can do that. Uh, it is for seven days, but um, there is a possibility that it could be extended indefinitely. Uh, again, we'll just have to wait to see uh, as as details emerge. But uh, the Dodgers uh, canceling that bobblehead night—the uh, right thing to do for sure. Uh, just with everything that has come to light thus far, it's been solid this year for the Dodgers. Uh, ERA I think is right around two five or something like that, or two and a half. Um, we know he's one of the best pitchers in the game. He's kind of lived up to this thing. Uh, we know all about him with the Reds and with Cleveland. Um, certainly his time with Arizona as well. But um, it, it's it's a horrible story. It's a horrible story because, yeah. um, I, I you know, and, and I'm not speculating on who's telling the truth here. I'm just telling you that the story is really tough because when someone shows up to the hospital with two black eyes and visible injuries on her face, um, you kind of wonder what in the world happened, and did he inflict those? And I will tell you this, and this isn't speculation. I don't think he's not denying. I don't believe that he caused those injuries. I think he's what he's doing is saying that um, there was rough behavior that she welcomed, 
Now that that's something that I'm not going to peel back too much of. Um, but that's both both have text messages. Both, according to to the reports, that he has text messages claiming that she welcomed it, and she has text messages saying that he was basically inquiring, like, "I hope you're okay." Like after this alleged attack, which is what she's claiming. So both parties have been separated, yep. and now you try to figure it out in the investigation. How this investigation happens, I assume they go as deep as they can with witnesses and former um, partners and you know of hers. I mean, this could go very deep as far as how they investigate this to find out if if she's had this type of behavior in her past and whether he's had this type of behavior in his past. And so it depends on who talks and who doesn't. And right now, this is a very, very difficult thing because from his side, you're thinking, okay, even if she welcomed this, what, I mean, is that what you really wanted to do? I I mean, is that really, I mean, that's really, it goes to some very, very personal, weird places. Um, You know, she's alleging that he raped her. I mean, and, and, and punched her and did all sorts of uh, physical harm to her. So, and emotional harm, obviously. And he's claiming, well, wait a minute. This is, you know, we're in the throes of it and she's asking for this. And I, and I was a willing participant. So I, I don't know. I mean, these are, this is a, a brutal deal. He is, and the reason, he's been such a quirky guy throughout his career. And he is one of the best pitchers in the game. And that's why this is huge news. And he plays for the Dodgers. Yeah, and they, I mean, they were just uh, what in Washington uh, to uh, visit the president, right? For the uh, the White House visit, you know, if you win uh, mm-hmm. your championship for the league, uh, you have that opportunity. And uh, obviously, he was not seen in that visit. Uh, you mentioned that uh, restraining order. It sounds like that hearing is scheduled for July twenty third. So we're coming into it here uh, in the next couple of weeks, and that'll decide. Uh, whether that order yeah. will become permanent. So again, uh, just as details emerge, that that's when we'll be able to to understand a bit more on this. But uh, active investigation, you have to let the legal process go through uh, because uh, there is a lot there for sure. Uh, your team is in a tailspin right now. Mejia couldn't get out of the first. Fran Mill is back with a vengeance, which is nice. Um, again, he couldn't get a key out, a key third out of an inning, which is always the key to everything, right? I mean, two out, two on, base empty at first, and he grooved that one to Kiermaier, uh, 92 up. Were you a fan of, I know you get you get two out, two on, you got the baits to give at first. Um, I, I didn't really know what the lineup was or the analysis that came after that. You were okay with him pitching to Kiermaier there? Yeah, I just think it's a lack of execution, right? Okay. And, uh, you know, the hard part, got <laughs> the hard part there, uh, that's only Kiermaier's second homer of the year. And, uh, you got a guy batting under 200. So, uh, you have to make him hit your pitch. Uh, I'm not sure that the slider and down the middle was the pitch that he wanted. So, yeah, yeah I mean, the tailspin here, and, and I know there's been people that have looked at this and said, well, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they were able to compete well past uh, when they should. And I would qualify that with this, AR. I don't think we've seen a team that has lost the entirety, and I mean every single starter, in their rotation out of spring training by almost June 1st. (laughs) And, and they lost their best power hitter for two months to an oblique injury, and they lost their starting catcher. Make that two of them. And they stayed in contention. They were two games out. They were two games yeah. out just a week or two ago of of the Central, and Chicago was was going to be looking in the rearview mirror like, what in the heck are they still doing here? 
You know, so a credit to Terry Francona and and obviously all the young kids that had to step up. I mean, they were already behind the eight ball at the beginning of the season that the youngest, the second youngest opening day um, um, roster in Major League Baseball. So we knew the youth movement was going to get tested. We knew there were going to be bumps and bruises. But you got to the middle of June and you looked at the standings and you thought, how in the heck is this still possible? How, yeah. how are they still here? They're, and, and they're, I think, minus one, they're minus 127 in run differential between them and the White Sox. It's unbelievable. That, that's they were only, unbelievable. They were a pair, they were a pair out. Yeah. They were about a game and a half out of the second wild card spot. So uh, it, it, you just cannot overcome no. for six months with those kind of injuries. And so Think about uh, who they lost. Right. Like you said, Savali, Plesak, but Bieber. I Bieber. mean... Yeah, uh, their their ERA, their their rotation through June, um, was pretty good. Like I mean, it hung in there. Um, after June 29th, it's it's gone. You know where in the toilet? Anybody? I think anybody not named Bieber, Savali, or Plesac. I had this stat, and I'm I'm probably uh, wrong on it right now, but I know it was only three wins, three pitcher decision wins. They were three and twenty three. Anyone not named? Beaver Savali Police Act that started a game, but the team record was something like fifteen and twenty-seven, and I think they were twenty-seven and fifteen in the game started by Beaver Savali and Police Act. So uh, that bullpen is the single biggest reason that they were able to tread water, mm-hmm. and and not only tread water, but but maybe give the White Sox a bit of a scare, maybe of a second look, like whoa, hey, hang on, they're not they're not going away like they should. So credit to them for staying in it the, as long as they did. Yeah, lost nine in a row now, and they are eight games back of the White Sox. The uh, here I pulled up the numbers. Their ER Indians rotation uh, through June twenty ninth ERA four point eight six. Opponents were only hitting two forty two. After June twenty ninth, zero and six ERA ten point two two. Opponent average three thirty three. Yep, and with Beaver, Savali, and Plesac all out, um, yeah, it, it's unfortunate. But they've they've been crushed by that, and so that's why you can't crush them. They've they've hung in there. They're a five. They're a five hundred baseball team with all of that. That's that's pretty impressive, pretty respectable. But yeah. this, uh, but they're they're chasing a team that they're chasing a team that can withstand the injuries that they've had. And the White Sox are are, are had a ton. Have had a ton. Um, and Grandal's now out for maybe most of the six regular weeks. season now. Yep. Now that he had weeks. the surgery, he actually Correct. had surgery, so now he's out. Uh, we'll come back. We'll talk about the Red Legs. Uh, six out. How do they feel about their chances? How do we feel about them? We'll hit that. And we've got a game two of an NBA Finals to preview as well. That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Sports, conversation, and sometimes pure stupidity. Awesome, funny, random. Your home of the Buckeyes, the fan, Ohio's sports destination. A former country club tennis pro and a high school baseball player. Don't be too impressed. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, my man J. Lou in for the Iceman today, cruising through a Thursday. Uh, I'm going to go. We won't do our official home run derby picks until tomorrow. But now that Gallo's in this thing, <laughs> I might grab him at 5-1. to one. Ooh. I mean, all he does is hit bombs. Bob's and tables. now we don't have to worry about K's. Like, yeah. Yeah. But there's nothing that's going to... Uh, I mean, the Shohei is, is ridiculous. And we'll get to that. And we'll do it all tomorrow. Because I want to... 
I want to get the feel on how maybe you would pitch to a dude like that because it's as I saw Harold Reynolds last night on MLB, it was like, dude, that's knob to the ball, the barrel will follow, and that dude just he's a he's a robot. It's amazing. Um Reds Royals from last night. Uh I'm telling you, man, timely hitting. That team hits with two strikes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Indi- India had a huge hit in the seventh. Take that's a one-two pitch. I love the way they hit with two strikes. Uh, Shogo had an RBI down the line. And let me bring up where the old red legs sit right now. Six back, six out, four and a half in the wild card. Yeah, they're, they're chasing the, the behemoth. They're chasing the Brewers. But like I said, you know the run differential between the White Sox and the Indians is 127. It's 44 between the Brewers and the Reds. We knew the Reds could hit. We knew they'd have offense. Um, they're four games above 500, and now we have to ask ourselves, what is management thinking of this thing? Because they have nine games against the Pirates during the last month of the season, oh. and they oh. have a total of 13 games. I just looked this up. They have 13 games against a combo platter, a poo-poo platter of the Twins, the Pirates, and the Marlins in August. So Wait, wait, wait. Say that again? Let me go back. Hang on. Let me... Let me, let me, let me <laughs> Okay. Let me, let me just go back and double check my work before I turn it in. Give <laughs> uh, me a second half schedule here as I kind of scroll through it here. Because that would be, as you look at that up, so September obviously is when rosters expand. And with the new rules, uh, I believe I see three or four. So rosters will go to 30 because uh, they're at 26. Okay. So they go to 29 or 30 active uh, for a day. So... And if you're thinking about how this, how this offense, you know, they're as good up top as anybody in the National League. I mean, they may be a step down, obviously, from uh, what the Dodgers and and Padres can run out there. But by no means are they are they a pushover. Take it from take it from us who who saw them just. You got Eugenio Suarez hitting like sixth or seventh. Yeah, I will. By the way, he let one go right through the wickets the other day, unfortunately. Yeah. But that's yeah. not what you're paying him for. I get it. But no. I remember saying to Maddie in the preseason, before we did our season preview, I'm like, dude, I'm worried about his defense. He's like, he's fine. He's fine. Yeah. I'm like, well, okay. He's fine until he's not. Uh, yes, I am correct. So okay. we go. Combo platter. So yeah, I, have, buffet. I have a, a situation where they have, in the last month of the season, They'll they'll play the Twins, the Pirates, and the Marlins in <laughs> August, Jeez. and then I told you about all those games they have against the Pirates. The Pirates, and they've already nine? completed their West Coast trips. Oh, that's huge! Um, oh, wow! So they've had three. So they'll have just three games against NL West teams. Like they'll host the Dodgers in September. Um, the Reds are ten and twenty against the NL West. Um, they're like really good against the rest of baseball. But the thing I have to ask you is, are they buyers or sellers? and Or are they like the status quo team of, hey, we're doing just fine. Let's try to just compete for a wild card with what we have. Dance with the ones that brung you. Obviously, the thing that stands out is is the inconsistency of the back end of the bullpen to be able to close out games. I mean, I, I can think of five right off the bat. Uh, where they blew it in the ninth, just against the Royals, mm-hmm. a three-run lead in the ninth inning, you blow it, you lose. Um, those are those are as Lee Smith would always say, a three-run save is a gimme. You know, <laughs> you, you, I mean, you just you file yeah. that away. That's 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 in. So it, you look at their injury status right now. Mike Mustakis has been on the IL since 
uh, May 19th. Yeah, he's he, on the 60-day. Yeah, he so, had a setback. He was yes. going to come back, and then he got a setback. Right, so it's that, it's that heel contusion, I think, yeah. and it, it's just, it just won't go away. So, so that stinks because that's an added bat where, okay, offensively, those are the guys that brought you, and that's with Tyler Stevenson mm-hmm. just just bursting on the scene. They got plenty on the bench. You got Akiyama, you got Aquino. Yeah. Uh, you're fine there, Mikey Freeman, as we saw in Cleveland, a, a doer of all things. Uh, Castillo has had a resurgence, which is which is phenomenal. We knew it was in there. He just had to get some confidence back. He's got arguably the best changeup in the National League. Sonny G saw him go back to dominate mm-hmm. in the way he's been used to in the past. And then Tyler Malley has just been a wonder kid this year. Uh, uh, go along with Miley in the no-no. Vladdy mm-hmm. Gutierrez has looked good at the bottom turnover. It's the bullpen. So, uh, well, Lorenzen, I mean, is he coming back? See, uh, here, here's why you asked their buyers or sellers. Yeah. I, if I am in that front office, I have to assume I'm getting no one back because you can always option some of these other guys, but I have to assume that Lorenzen's not coming back. TJ well, Antone has been you know, on be and back off. back after the break, so will Sims, yep. right? Yep. You hope, right? You hope. So, again, I'm operating as of today as mm-hmm. though I may not get any of those guys back. So that makes me think I could go get a reliever. Am I going to mm-hmm. have enough to get a Craig Kimbrell? Probably yeah. not. But you have to make that call. You have to understand where the market is there. Could I go get a Richard Rodriguez from the Pittsburgh oh, Pirates yes, in the division? Boy, I know where you're good. at from, yeah. a, from a fantasy Not standpoint. Not that he's unbelievable, but he doesn't get to work he, very much. But He, he, he would throws be, strikes. Yeah, he throws strikes. He I, throws he strikes. Got, yeah, he blew one for me. when he. But he never gets to pitch, so I can't right. complain. Right. I need him to go so, to a contender. Yeah, so if he if he's in there, adrenaline's up a bit. That's a tick up on Velo. And I, again, that you don't need a makeover in the back end of this bullpen. You need a guy you can hand the ball off to to lessen the load on a TJ Antone, on a Lucas Sims, where all of a sudden they could pitch in a setup role or how we have it here in Cleveland AR. You know, there's times where Karen Shack will pitch the ninth mm-hmm. inning because it matches up better, or it's Class A, depending on that. So you have two closers. They theoretically have two right now because Hembry's been doing it. Antone's been great. Sims has been very good. And then they just have to worry about the the here, here's what I'm worried about here. Antone, it's a strained forearm. So that's always a little red flag of oh, we've already had one this year. Lucas Sims is a sprained elbow. So uh, that's where I would have to operate under the assumption that something is going to go wrong, and I need to be prepared mm. for it. Because if you have the embarrassment of riches and everyone's back, then it's a six-inning game. Then you figure it out how you want to go. So I don't think they've got enough to get Kimbrell. Uh, they could get creative. I just don't see him going that way. I think a Richard Rodriguez makes a lot of sense for them economically. It's not going to take a ton to get him. I, I think somewhere in that second tier where you just need a strike thrower. You need you a know, strike thrower. It's interesting, and that's a lot of good stuff. The bullpen was amazing up until Garrett blowing that game with the walk-off yep. against the Royals. Yep. So, I mean, they were amazing. Um, they, now, you can't lose a game when you're leading up 6-1 in the eighth. Mm-hmm. But they were 6-1 going into the eighth. Yep. Right, yep. And they give up six runs and f- four out of 11 for hits, and um, they stunk. I, listen, Garrett's been feast or famine, but the, the whole pen has kind of tied the tourniquet on here lately, so... But 1-1 to Salvi, big fella, 86 mm. at the ankles, mm. and there's your walk-off. He, mm-hmm. he does do walk-offs. Salvi well, Perez does do walk-offs, plenty. man. Well-versed. Yeah, that, well that, versed. that guy's on it. Um, all right, we'll come back. Uh, we'll switch gears, but we'll stay in Cincinnati. James Rapine will talk to us. He's locked on Bengals. Find out maybe what his projections are. Can they scare anybody this year? 
Will they win any games they're not supposed to win? I'll ask him next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. All Buckeyes. All Buckeyes. All the time. The Buckeye Show. Weeknights at 6. Your flagship home for Ohio State Athletics. The Fan. Ohio's sports destination. They both like to go to raves with the Bosa Brothers. Here's Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back in. Rothman and Ice, Anthony Rothman, Jensen Lewis in for the Iceman. And we welcome on James Rapine, who covers the Bengals in the NFL for Sports Illustrated, publisher of All Bengals and Locked On Bengals. We got the stripes covered. James, welcome. What's going on, guys? You know, a lot with them, right? Because you feel like (laughs) that, you know, with Joe Burrow coming back and getting chased. Let me take you back to the draft. Because most of us, and I would think including you, didn't believe back in January or February that quarterbacks would go one, two, and three. Now, with Cincinnati sitting at five, um, one of the the players they did get, Jamar Chase, probably wasn't going to be available. Uh, Kyle Pitts, a a dude they might consider, wasn't available. He got picked at four. Um, How did you feel? how, how, How do you feel about it now? the way it worked out for Cincinnati and how it fell, and were you happy with the pick? I think they got it right when it comes to Chase versus Sewell because that was the debate, right? And I Mm -hmm. I think that they certainly had Pitts there, but Pitts was third on their list. And clearly they had Chase ahead of Sewell. uh, But a lot of people, given what happened to Joe Burrow, given the Bengals' Uh, quite frankly, awful offensive line for the past five seasons, five straight losing seasons, by the way. That's no coincidence. So I think a lot of people just assumed it would be Penny Sewell. But they looked at, at Chase, they looked at Sewell, and they thought Chase was the better prospect. And when you looked at the the depth, offensive line depth of this draft, I thought that was the right decision. Now, here's the thing, and this is the problem I guess for Chase and for the Bengals, it's not going to just be, is Jamar successful? It's in the second round, they take Jackson Carmen. They trade back with some pretty good offensive linemen available. Mm-hmm. Take Jackson Carmen. And, and, and so how does he pan out? Does he keep Joe Burrow upright? So it, it's almost a, a two-pronged thing here where, yeah, Jamar Chase might be great, but is number nine going to be upright? And, and if Carmen fails to do that and, and fails to become uh, a productive starting offensive lineman in the NFL, then people are going to question that pick. But overall, I, I do think they got it right at number five if you just look at it apples to apples, that pick, Sewell versus Chase. All right, James, it's Jensen. Uh, there's been reports out there now kind of parlaying off of uh, your your last comment there that uh, David DeCastro has is, is got to be a guy that is high on the Bengals' radar now uh, as a free mm-hmm. agent. Uh, from what you have heard and your assessment there, is it uh, one, is it feasible considering that Jackson Carmen is that second-round pick and I think they feel pretty mm-hmm. good about him? Uh, would that be a, a, just a fabulous insurance policy and even uh, maybe a mentor, so to say, for, for him mm-hmm. to learn from? I think it would, and, and if you point to... Let's say the Bengals' offensive line is bottom five or bottom ten in the league this season again. Well, to me, I'm going to point to free agency. I'm not even going to necessarily point to the the draft pick, but that's where people will go. Mm-hmm. But I don't like banking on rookies in the trenches. That's that's really tough to do, and you got to be pretty special to be that good. So a guy like David DeCastro, he's got injury questions, right? That you know that ankle uh, is something that's been bothering the ankle or foot. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not sure if the Bengals are in on him. I would guess no, based on what we've seen 
this offseason. They they obviously brought in Riley Reef, but they haven't gone after a, you know Morgan Moses who could help shore up things. They weren't in on some of these veteran guys that you thought, oh well maybe and Indy Castro falls on that list. So if I had to bet I would say no. Mm-hmm. But to me, going back to free agency, that's when they could have really shored things up with a like you said, a proven type veteran or a mentor for some of these young guys. But they do feel it seems like pretty comfortable with Jackson Carmen being a day one starter. James Rapine with us, locked on Bengals here in Rothman and Ice. Did you like the bringing back Quentin Spain for another year to kind of uh, push people and and figure out who's best there on the inside? I did. I thought that was a under-the-radar type signing that, that could end up panning out for them, and I wouldn't be shocked at all if he starts at left guard this year because, look, he, he joined them mid-year. And he ended up playing three different spots, left ta- or left guard, right guard, right tackle. And they signed him on like a Thursday, and he, he started on that Sunday because they had injuries. And, and so he was kind of thrown into the, the fire right away last year, mid-year. And uh, I thought he did a, a pretty decent job. And now you give him a full off offseason uh, with the team in the system, with a new offensive line coach and Frank Pollock that people – uh, in that locker room, certainly believe in the guys believe in him. Specifically, Joe Mixon uh, was ecstatic that Frank Pollock returned to Cincinnati. So I think Quentin Spain could end up being that starting left guard. And uh, they had the worst guard play in the league last year, guys. I know tackle was talked about a lot with Bobby Hart and Jonah Williams up and down because of injuries, but uh, the, the guard plays really what needs to get shored up. And that was the the big issue specifically on the play Joe Burrow got injured. James, uh, I, we like on this program when I fill in for Matty, uh, A&R, AR and I will look at some of the odds, some of the props in uh, various uh, sports here. Uh, the win total for the Bengals was something that intrigued me, and, and I'll, I'll continue off and I'll give you my reasoning why. It's at 6.5 right now at most shops with the under, uh, a little bit more of the juice. And I found I found that number intriguing because I want to shift your attention to the garbage time early in the season. You look at the schedule, and and I think there's going to be a, a real prominence of the starters staying in for a long time because of Burrow missing time last year and wanting to get mm-hmm. that offense in sync in game reps and at game speed. I was telling people, if I'm seeing over-unders around 48s, 50s, Give me the over early in the season for the Bengals because I think they're going to do whatever they can to find continuity early on with Burrow and the new weapons as well. I think that's totally fair because, it, look, Zach Taylor, he's an offensive coach. He's 6-25-1, and, and he has to win games. And he can't get blown out, and he's, he's got to really find a way now after two off-seasons of investment in free agency. I mean, the Bengals have been aggressive in free agency the past two years, and I, I can't remember a time where they've spent like they've spent. And uh, obviously you add Burrow, you add Chase, you add offensive linemen. So this offense should be better. And, yeah, to your point, you want to get Burrow as many reps as possible because he missed six live game reps and, you know, another half game uh, against Washington due to that injury. And that's valuable for a young quarterback. So, absolutely. I think uh, they they threw the ball all over the field last year. And that was with uh, an A.J. Green who was largely ineffective. You throw yeah. a chase in there, and whether they're down or not, I, I like it. I think they could hit the over plenty. What's the over-under on the season? Is it like six and a half wins, J. Lou? Have yeah, you seen it? six and a half. All yep. right, so it's six and a half, James. Um, I asked this question going into the break. 
what games are they going to win on paper right now oh, yeah. that they're not supposed to win? Like because oh, I I can see them winning. Let's go through the schedule. I I could see them, you know, beating the Jags, beating the Lions, beating the Jets, uh potentially mm-hmm. beating the Bears if Dalton is still quarterbacking, uh beating the Broncos, maybe beating the Raiders. Like are they going to win any games they're not supposed to win in your mind? What what do you have the early projection on their on their record? Yeah, I I think they certainly are capable of it and heck they did last year without Burrow towards the end of the season. And to me, the key is going to be getting off to a good start because a lot of those games you mentioned are in the first half of the year. And so if they're not winning those, well, then how are you ex- expecting to go into Cleveland when Cleveland could be playing for the division uh, at the end of the year, right? Yeah. You know, a very, very good Cleveland roster. And so that's what I'm looking at. Can Zach Taylor get the wheels churning and get some, some back-to-back wins and, and stack up a couple W's early on in the year? At six and a half with a 17-game schedule, and I yeah. think that that's the key here, I'd probably lean over, guys. I really would. I mean, if Burrow didn't get hurt last year, I think there's probably another win or two in there. Maybe they beat the Giants. I think they probably would have beaten the uh, Washington football team. They were kind of handling business and had to settle for a few field goals early in that one, but the offense was moving before Burrow got hurt. Mm. So uh, I would not be shocked if it's the over. Now, it might not be far over. We might be talking about 7-10, and 10, you know, maybe 8-9 and nine on a, you know, if things bounce their way. But, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they, they beat a Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah, they did it last year. Mm-hmm. I think they, they're certainly capable of doing it this year. Uh, I think that they can compete with Cleveland. They went toe-to-toe with them in week seven at home, and yep. uh, Baker Mayfield completed like 22 in a row, and, and it, was, uh, it was a really fun game, right? And, and week two was, too, even though the Browns were more in control of that one. So I think that uh, I think they can win a couple games, certainly in this division, that they're not expected to win. I'll circle this one, AR. I know we got to go. Um, I always love the West Coast teams or the warm weather teams or dome teams coming east for those one o'clock starts, those ten a.m. games. I'm looking at you, L.A. Chargers, scheduled loss Ooh. on December fifth, or I'm looking wow. at you, Jimmy G, San Francisco Forty mm-hmm. ers December twelfth in the snow, twenty degree wind chill. I'm telling you, one of those. Eesh, I would not. I would not put my survivor life on the Chargers or the Niners coming in to Paul Brown Stadium on either of those days. Okay, so you just threw out two teams that technically they're not going to be supposed to beat, and you're right, on the schedule where they land, you might get one there, depending on who San Fran plays the week before. You know, San Fran likes to run it, too. James, good stuff, man. We'll ring you back uh, as we get closer to the season. Thanks for jumping on. Thanks, James. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Dustin. You got it. James Rapine, locked on Bengals, uh, and there you go. And let's not just... Just gloss over the fact that that they can't go into Pittsburgh and win in yeah. week three. Yeah, like they may be able to do it. Uh, yeah, and if they do it, you know, Joe Burrow. By the way, CB, you know what we really blew the other day that we need to take ownership of. I didn't put Joe Burrow on our comeback player of the year possibilities. Oh, yeah, that's a mistake. I know. I left. It is a mistake, and I want to own up to it today. I I guess I just didn't think of him as a comeback player of the year. Oh, my God. And why, I don't know. I Can had, I uh, who did I have? I went with uh, Prescott. I went with Dak. Okay. Uh, Saquon. Um, CMC. Um, who else well, did Burrow, I? Burrow's at six and a half to one right now. Yeah, well, tied with uh, CMC. I blew it. I mean, I still have time to make up for it, but there was a... Some pizza money on that? Maddie was trying to sell me on Carson Wentz. Oh, get out of here, Maddie. Come on. 
I know, Matty, dude. He had, come him, on. he had him like accepting the award already. Oh, he was no. writing his speech for him. It was I crazy. Gotta, I got to get on the uh, horn on the break and talk right, to him. So, what we got going but, on here? But Joe's got a chance with, the, with those weapons. He, I'll tell you what. Why we? Why I don't know why it wasn't because, and it was maybe because we just viewed him as he's back and we didn't mm. think about because how many games did he uh, did he play last year? He played probably eleven. Play eleven games is that? That's probably why. I probably just didn't think of him as uh, a Dak Prescott type dude. All right, we'll come back with Buckeye Bolton next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. We are everywhere on your radio, online, the fan app, Alexa, and behind you in your car right now. Too creepy? Sorry. The fan, Ohio sports destination. Rothman and Ice present Buckeye Bolton. Sponsored by Logan AC and Heat Services. Don't go through another air conditioner breakdown. For fast, friendly service, call the experts at Logan Services now for a free estimate and next day air installation. All right, Buckeye Bolton time. Ohio State recruiting is a conveyor belt of talent. (laughs) It's like sitting at the baggage claim at John Glenn and just suitcase after suitcase. They just keep coming out. You got the baggage handlers just throwing them out there. Uh, So the Buckeyes are lapping everybody. This shows 24-7 sports recruiter rankings. Uh, Brian Hartline, number one. And as 11 Warriors writes, the recruiting class for 2022 is so absurdly loaded that second place Penn State is just about as far away in the team rankings as 11th place A&M is to Penn State. So uh, we know what's going on here. And... Name, image, and likeness, and I've said this, I do feel like Ohio State is in a great position for that as well, positioned here in Columbus, and having all of the energy and emotion and wealthy passion that is ready to inject fully back into the program. Um, So they're getting their just desserts. Now, the interesting part about name, image, and likeness, and you and I haven't talked about this yet. Yeah. Zed Key... um, who's a member of the Ohio State basketball game, uh, team, um, I guess has a signature, like, CB might help me with this, kind of a signature look or a signature little Oh, the finger guns when he does. The finger uh, yeah. guns, right. Okay, yep. And now he's got his own finger gun store, and he would appreciate everyone supporting this venture. Please check out the store and retweet this post for me. Um, I assume this is a venture for his pockets. This isn't some... No, it's, yeah, charity it's thing, right? Okay. The one thing I said to CB before this, I personally, if I was an athlete back, you know, now, I would say I would rather sign with an apparel company and let them do all the hard work for me. Yeah, they're going to take their piece. So I asked CB about this. Does this mean he has his own apparel and that he's just paying people to ship the stuff out for him and? I don't know which like store. How much is of the it? manual labor? Yeah, is he is he actually uh, helping? He has to have he has to have hooked up with some lower echelon. I'm not talking about a where I'm from or an homage. I'm talking about you know someone that's going to pay for his likeness and then do all the hard work, which I think yeah. is the ideal. But if you're going to want to make more, you probably make more this way, um, buying your own apparel at a much lesser price and then jacking it up and and selling it online which is what he's done and he's tagged other people in this so uh my, my good guess, for him entrepreneur yeah, yeah my guess uh, and we have gv artwork up here in northeast ohio uh, they're one of the best uh, at what they do they have signed with 
they've made an agreement with the uh, MLBPA so they can use uh, those players. And a lot of the times it's for charity. I don't know if they do one where uh, they've got an agreement, you know, like they do stuff with Joe Thomas uh, for some of his stuff, Bernie Kosar. Uh, some of the Browns guys up here, Jarvis Landry. But I would imagine, like, guys, you know, that group would be looking at some of the local uh, or even the statewide college guys to, to do one of those. And my thought would be they would do an agreement where, hey, uh, this is what we want to do. We'll pay you X amount of dollars to be able to wear it, you know, for post game or, you know, out, post a picture every other day, something like that. Mm-hmm. In turn, you get X amount of the profits of, of however much we sell. A guy like you, J. Lou, you were going to be a, a giant, an entrepreneur in the <laughs> Italian 15th century sense of the word, a mover, a shaker, J. Lou. <laughs> um, but anyway, he's he's off and running with the uh, finger gun store, and CB's probably already purchased one to help him out, you know, support. He's a man of the people. Um, you have some news for us on the non-conference basketball season for Ohio State. Yeah, oh, so the yeah. official list is out. You already knew the games of like Duke, Xavier, mm. Kentucky in the CBS Sports Classic, the Fort Myers Classic down in uh, Fort Myers playing either Seton Hall, Cal, or Florida. But you also have a bunch of these bye games that you have to fill the rest of the schedule with. And it's a bunch of guys and teams mm. that are pretty close to Ohio State. You have Akron with John Gross, the head coach, former OU and Illinois coach. Uh, Niagara with Greg Paulus as the head coach, former Ohio State assistant. Yeah. Uh, and Towson was on the schedule last year before COVID happened. So they're trying to make up that game, too. All right, give me the big ones. When are they? Tell me right now when Ohio State is playing Kentucky. Yeah, so this is so Kentucky's going to be. It looks like December eighteenth. That's a Saturday. And where? That is out in Vegas. Okay. Oh, yes. week before it's, Christmas. Exactly. But, but, this, but this stretch of this stretch of games yeah. that mixes with the football season is going to be really fascinating because you have Xavier Duke. November eighteenth, mm-hmm. yeah. the week before Michigan week. Then during that week leading up to Thanksgiving, you have that Fort Myers Classic. Then you'll play Duke the Tuesday after the Michigan game. Oh, that's God. insane. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, basketball boy. Here's the here's the tough question. Then at the presser, now that Dwayne is gone, but EJ is back, is Ohio State still ranked preseason higher than UK? Oh no, no. UK's no. Especially if UK adds uh, Coburn, like they're okay. expected to. Yeah. At least they're the favorite to I land him. He, oh, they, they, really? could be, they could be a top oh, ten yeah. team. They could be a top he, ten they're team. They're the favorite. Yeah. Oh wow. Yep. That's that's I think, pretty. I amazing. think that's re- I think it's a re- speaking of mover and shaker. I think that's recent too. Yeah. Well, Coach Cal making major changes. You know, the closer. Can, yeah. Saving well, the closer. In I think he, they did and, a yeah. staff overall overhaul too, didn't they? CB. I like, think he so. did a lot. Yeah. So I, they stole one of Illinois' coaches, I believe. Yeah. They're all Oof. over the place. Two. Uh, yeah. It was a revolving door. They replaced a couple from Illinois, and uh, the team's in better shape than it was last season. Yeah. Um, they they couldn't shoot it consistently. Um, they lost some playmakers, but uh, so who did that? So Wheeler's back, right? He, he's a pretty good. Yeah, they, they, they're, <laughs> they're loaded. Yeah. If you remember when Ohio State played right. West Virginia a couple years ago, that Oscar Sheboy, the big center that they had, he's going to be on that Kentucky yeah, team Shibway, too. Sheboy, that's right. He was at West Virginia <laughs> originally. Yes. Yeah. We, need some, um, we need we need some games of the year spreads right yeah. now. Let's go. But they'll be ranked. Do you think that Ohio State will still be ranked higher than Duke? Duke's going to be close oh, to the top 10. They'll be, be close now, too. I think Ohio State will yeah. be a little bit behind. Okay. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. once Dwayne left, EJ coming back certainly keeps them top 20. Yeah. All right, that is today's Buckeye Bulletin. We'll come back. Sports Center update, top of the hour. We'll deep dive. Uh, more motivation for Baker Mayfield.
How's he handling it? We'll tell you next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Most shows just skim the surface, but Rothman and Ice feel like the biggest story of the day deserves a closer look. It's time for A Deeper Dive. Sponsored by United Dairy Farmers. Miss filling up before gas prices went up? Get UDF slow price lock with U-Drive. All right, welcome back in. Rothman and Ice, Anthony Rothman, Jensen Lewis in for the Iceman today. Um, NBA Finals back on tonight, correct, CB? Yep. That is right. All right. You got a tip time for me on that? Nine, right? I believe that is nine, yes. Late, the, yes, the Valley of the Sun. Um, so we'll stay up for that. Uh, Bucks are plus 270 now to win the series. Sun's minus 340. Um, I think there's some uh, some decent value on the Bucks based on the fact that Game 1 went the way it did. Um, the problem with Game 1 is the fact that Game one winner usually takes the title. I think it's 70 plus percent of the time, including six of the last seven. Chris Paul just finding space and making shots, just breaking down bigs. He was the MVP fave for a reason. Um, it was at plus 160 before the series. He's now minus 140. Um, I think if you do believe in the Bucks for a comeback, I actually think there's some value on Giannis to be the MVP. And that's only if they win it, obviously. Because coming into the series, the Suns had the rest advantage, they had the health advantage, they had home court to start, and the way they beat them in Game 1, I think there could be a a tiny bit of overreaction. It's not that I don't believe in the Suns. We we picked them to win it before the series. But the fact that Giannis came back and played as well as he did, even in a loss, if the Bucs, J. Lou, somehow find a way to win this, Mm -hmm. getting him at plus 450... I actually think is decent value, only if you believe they can win it. Now, I do believe they'll play better. I think the spread tonight is minus 5.5. Uh, I probably would have to take it based on the overreaction. They played much better in Game 2s. They were blown out by Atlanta in Game 1. They whacked them in Game 2. They struggled against Miami. They beat them bad in Game 2. Suns lost Game 2 to the Lakers. They needed the, quote, Valley Oop, which may be the greatest uh, nickname in all of sports highlights, to get past the Clippers. And Milwaukee was going in there to get a split anyway. So their goal is still the same, to get a split. Um, But I'll come back to Giannis at plus 450 is probably if your heart is with Milwaukee. Because if they do come back and win at J. Lou, he will have to be the main reason. And that's why I like that value. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, As far as the game goes tonight... Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think your overreaction uh, idea is correct. I, I don't know if the Bucks win, but I, that would be the side that I would take. How I about would the over-under? I love the under. So do I. Uh, I'm glad you I said love that. The it's under. 220.5. And, okay, so I was looking at this at possibly 216, 217. When I saw okay. the number, I'm like, uh, yeah, give me give me that, please. Let's go. I think there. we always talk about overreaction as far as adjustments in game mm-hmm. two. And, and, you know, whether, whether Giannis can play a full complement of minutes or not, I don't think that matters. I, I think there's a little more defensive prowess in this one. Um, again, free throws, foul trouble could, is always a worse nightmare for, uh, uh, the double whammy, as we like to say, the free throws and the stop clock. So I like the under. I think, I think the Bucks can keep it close. I, I don't foresee this one getting out of hand and it almost a mu- and, and I hate to do it yeah. a must win, but it is for this series. The way Phoenix has played, you know, it it feels like. I mean, I'm certainly I don't I I probably don't get in the must category because I think coming back to Milwaukee, certainly you could even the series. Um, maybe I stay away from the minus five and a half, and I just go with the under with you because mm-hmm. 
Um, I mean, we know what's happened. Chris Paul, great floor general. He takes advantage of all the mismatches. He did it in game one. He got Lopez in the pick and roll and just played him like a fiddle. Uh, Connaughton, when they went small, he played him. They had Giannis mm-hmm. at the five, mm-hmm. which I think they're going to do more of anyway. I think the under 220 and a half is probably the play. Um, in the six game twos with all, with these teams in their respective series, the over hit only once. Oh. And, and the okay. buck, I think the Bucks pace kind of now will go into a different direction. It has in every series. It kind of drops because in the NBA Finals, what you'll find is as you get deeper into the series, and we're not really that deep, but we're, we're started, you see a lot more half-court sets. You see both, by the way, both very big defensive teams. Um, I agree. I, I, if the Suns shoot like they did in game one, then sayonara, it's over. Um, but I, I'll play the under. I'm a little more confident in the under of 220.5 than I am in, in – Taking the five and a half for Milwaukee, for Milwaukee, but okay. Um, so I'll dance with that with you. Um, the Baker Mayfield conversation. Um, let's have this again um, because there was a uh, moment on Get Up that Mike Tannenbaum, who's paid to be an analyst, and he's been on board. I'm not to the degree he is, but I, I totally understand what he's saying. As far as you can be in a wait-and-see mode with Baker because your goal now is to win a title, and if you wrap up you know, $40 million a year in Baker Mayfield, um, is that the guy you want? And I, I'll, I'll ask you this first. What is the feel up in C-Town right now on extending Baker? Is it extend him no matter what, extend him at a certain price, or wait-and-see? I think it is um, – let's, let's take the media side because this is going to be nauseating for uh, the next couple of weeks, uh, just the, uh, the, the expectations, okay? And every time the last 15 years that there have been expectations, only one time has it come to fruition. That was 2007 uh, when uh, the Indianapolis Colts, still the bane of the existence here, of the fan base, pull all their starters and, and Browns at 10 and 6 cannot qualify for the postseason. So um, I think I think a lot of people are very high, and, and even Wyatt Teller you know, came out and said, you know, we have 11 guys on offense returning, which is insane. I've never heard of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys in the backfield who can do it at a high level. Uh, the best D-line play is our own team. Uh, I, think they, I think they feel that because they're, they literally left the offense alone, uh, in in the off season, as far as even you know the draft to a certain extent in on impact guys, they feel that if they're healthy, that that all the pieces are there for Baker. So then you have the other side of this as well. What what is the sum of the parts more valuable than one part who has to direct all the parts? And and that is that is where I think a lot of people fall on. Let's extend him because for mm-hmm. so long here we've worried about having a consistent signal caller, but I'm yeah. not sure there's a lot of people that are willing to go $40 million a year. Uh, at least if, if people are being objective and, mm-hmm. and you're, putting them, you're putting their feet to the fire, I think they're right in the middle there. I personally am in wait-and-see mode. I'm with you. If he can't do it this year with all of those pieces, and again, yeah. health health is always a key, especially with the offensive line. We just talked about Joe Burrow. I think that I'll extend him for thirty to thirty-five. I can I can definitely I can definitely wrap around that mm-hmm. if he can show me again this year that what last year was with the sum of the parts this year is is 
you know, basically confirmed, then I can do that. Yeah. I'm in the wait and see mode, but can be pulled into the at the right price yes. category. Yep. Um, but I'm I'm not into well, and a lot of people say, you know, setting the market is better than reacting to the market, but I think the Browns fans are probably more into Hey, I don't want to upset things. Things are going fine now. Let's let's not hand him all the money and give him all this. Actually, I I think maybe getting the best out of him might be to put him in the pressure cooker. And um, some people think the opposite, which is if you hand him all the money, then you drop all of the pressure, and now they can just go play football. Uh, let's hear from Mike Tannenbaum from ESPN's Get Up. What would you do if if you're the Browns and you're working with Baker Mayfield on an extension? Here we would go. You? Here we go. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> I would, I would not sign him to an extension. I would wait several years. And here's why. You are binding yourself to mediocrity. There's a lot of ways to evaluate the AFC quarterbacks. But at best, he's the sixth, maybe seventh best quarterback in the AFC. We could talk about Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Ryan Tannehill, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. In my evaluations, he's the third best quarterback <laughs> in his own division. And I like Baker Mayfield. I worked him out before the 2018 draft. I was really surprised by how good his intangibles are. But we made the very same decision, Ryan, when we were at the New York Jets, which was we had a good quarterback in Chad Pennington. We chased a great quarterback in Brett Favre because we wanted to win a championship. If you're the Cleveland Browns, because of Baker Mayfield's physical limitations of him being short and slow, you can't win a championship especially when you have the seventh or best quarterback right. in the AFC. All right, that's Dan Orlovsky in the background going, here we go, here we go, because he's been a big fan of Baker, and he actually believes that he's better than Tannenbaum's giving him credit for. I don't think Tannenbaum thinks he's a bad quarterback. I don't, and I think that's kind of where this is going. CB told me in the break that Baker saw this or liked it or something online. That's fine. That's all you need to do. Just file it away, more motivation. That's great. You don't need to react to it. I don't want Baker to come back and start taking every last thing and trying to like uh, let it publicly get under his skin. Uh, privately, I think he's doing fine. Just just walk the walk. You don't need to talk it anymore. Um, is he a 30 TD guy with less than 10 picks? Mm, it's close. I mean, he was 3,500 yards plus. He was 26-8, and eight, I think, last year. Is that right? Somewhere like mm-hmm. that. And and here comes Odell Beckham back. By the way, I'll I'll let you know what Orlovsky said about Odell Beckham, which I thought was interesting because I've been in this camp. He said this morning, if Odell can just fit in and be a piece, and it was just glossed over. It was like he's like, here we go, second year in the offense. He's got the same coaching staff finally talking about Baker. All these guys made improvement when they had a second year with that staff, and here comes Odell Beckham, and if he can just fit in and be a piece, and I'm like, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Just fit in and be a piece. <laughs> That's interesting to me. And because you know what that means? That means Orlovsky is paying attention to the, if the diva needs to be fed, yep. that's not a good recipe with Baker. And we don't need to be that kind of team this year because you've got enough. But Chubb and Teller and Ward need extensions. Baker's already been picked up for the fifth year. Uh, I don't think Baker's going to take a discount. I said this yesterday, and I don't think he should. I think he should bet on himself. You know why? Because of exactly what you said. He's got the team around him. Mm-hmm. Like You'd have to really play poorly to underachieve with this team, with what he has. I, so I'm, I'm fully in, in Mike T's camp as far as wait and see. I don't know if I'd start. Because ranking him doesn't necessarily mean don't pay him. 
Mm-hmm. But you don't have to be a top ten quarterback to get paid. It's just a certain amount of money. So I'm 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 into the kind of hey, let's just not rock the boat. Let's I agree with you. Extend him before the fifth year if he plays great this year and lives up to it. I got one more thing, and yeah. we're gonna get going. But I, I with Kevin Stefanski, the way he calls plays, and with the personnel. This should be a run-first offense because they can get to down and distance where Baker can thrive, and he can use his feet if he needs to. The rollouts, the comfort, the comfortability with the short routes to Landry, and knowing he's got you know two fabulous tight ends and Hooper and, and Njoku, it's all there. And I can agree with Orlovsky. If Odell becomes a distraction, if if I'm Andrew Barry, get him the hell out of here. You don't. You you are not. Bi- you're not bound to him. If this is going to be Baker's team, then you get him out of here. Yeah. Get Odell out of here. Well, period. he's he's on the comeback player of the year list too. So he should be all about the team. It, it shouldn't be. But we know that can't be trusted completely. <laughs> yeah. But there's no denying that Baker's been very good. To Cleveland, right? He's been the best quarterback they've had through three seasons ever. Yep. Um, he ranks first in 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 every or first and second or in most of these categories. First in his first three seasons. Now he's got a great team. Like, but why to hand him all the money in the world? No thanks. Um, now when he's got a great team, like go out and own it. Go out and own this team. Be a leader and then get paid. And I think the Browns are willing to. I think the Browns would listen and I think they would sign him. At a, um, a, I would say an above average or an average starting rate, but nothing to get him into the Dak world or the Mahomes no. world. I mean, he's not that mm-hmm. guy. Nope. So, but I know a lot of people are saying, pay him, pay him now, lock him up. It's the quarterback, it's the position. His stats tell you. But if you are now in the championship mode, Cleveland, like winning titles or a title, then just kind of take it as it comes. That's how I feel. All right, we've yep. got a. Uh, Another uh, four-pack to give out. Do we not, CB, of the Good Guys Car Show? That we'll is give right. you all the details to that, but I'll give you the question now. The phone number is 614-821-9710 if you want to win the family pack to the car show. And the question is, I didn't cement my pick, but who is my early pick to win Home Run Derby next week? You had to be listening very closely to get it. And if you didn't get it or didn't hear it, CB's going to the car show himself. Back with Truth, Rothman and Ice on the fan. Two men, no pants. Oh, my God. Common Man and T-Bone. Weekday afternoons from 3 to 6. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Tell the truth with Rothman and Ice. All right, CB, it's all you. All right, we're continuing our middle round. Would you rather, it's the middle rounds for the tight end Mm. position. Would you rather take... TJ Hawkinson or Dallas Goddard? Uh, you want me to fire away, Jay Lewis? Yeah, go ahead first. I had sure. Hawkinson last year, and I'm going to take him again this year if it's between those two guys. Um, I think he's going to get a ton of targets. I got to get him into the end zone more, but I think he's going to get plenty of chances. And so I think he's got a really high floor. I'm not really sure what his ceiling is. So um, he's probably being drafted i gotta i gotta take a look but i I, if i can get into the end zone five six times this year that's a win i think he could be dare i say it i think he'd be a thousand yard tight end i really do and i think he could catch north of 70 here's here's why and goddard's pretty close but and i asked cb this question during the break where is zach Ertz? because if zach Ertz is still on that roster then i can't take goddard over hawkinson that's for sure 
if Ertz leaves and it looks like they are trying to offload him this summer, which it, which probably will happen, then I could be talked into Goddard. But at this point in time, you're asking me the question today at two twenty four on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. I am going to take Hawkinson over Goddard. Yeah, I'll side with you. You kind of look at uh, again the Saul barring any injuries. Uh, six catches for 20 or more yards, six touchdowns, as you said, five or more, and that's you're in bonus territory there. And he had 67 catches, uh, and that's with uh, Matty. As we know, Matty Ballgame likes to throw it around, and I would assume Jared Goff in a new offense mm-hmm. uh, is going to want to get uh, some comfort early and often, and that's a good security blanket. So I'm with you. I, I can I can get on board. And that, my boy, is a damn truth. All right, so the NBA draft deadline. Can I, can I ask you something real quickly? Yeah, go ahead. I'd rather take Pitts over both of them. Yeah, well, yes. Okay. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. It's pretty, okay. it's pretty close. All right, sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. So the winners of the NBA draft deadline to withdraw was definitely the UCLA Bruins yesterday with getting Johnny Juzang and Cody Riley mm. back into the fold. Ooh. I want to ask you, with both of those guys coming back and all the additions that they currently have, keeping majority of their team from last year, where do you see them in the preseason rankings? That's a great question. Um, I, I think when you look at uh, what Kentucky's doing in recruiting, um, you know Gonzaga is going to be there. Villanova is going to be there. Uh, are they top three? I, I think that's pretty safe. You know, that's also considering that what Kansas is going to have coming back. Uh, boy, boy. Mm. This is what they've been waiting for. I mean, I think this launches them right there. I think they're borderline. Starting at number one? I think they're borderline number one. I think when Timmy okay. came back for Gonzaga, the, and did you see what, what Mark Few's done out there? He got, like, yeah. the number one prospect. Yeah. Um, he got a dude from, uh, who's the kid that used to, was going to go to Kentucky? Uh, Hickman, I think. I think he signed out there. Yeah, Nolan Hickman, yep. Uh-huh. He signed out there. Um, this is going to be interesting to me. Um uh, with Juzang back and Riley back, I'm going to say that UCLA is a nas- the national contender, along with the so guys you, with the teams you've mentioned. But yeah, I'll put UCLA right. there. This is what they've been waiting for. Because you get Ty- Tiger Campbell's coming back too, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, I can't yeah. believe that Juzang came back. Like that's amazing to me. All right, I'm going to go look. Uh, they've. I got to see where. Let's see what. Uh... <laughs> Let's see what Vegas thinks. Come on. Yeah, if you have Vegas handy, I'm gonna that's check fine. It. Yeah, I'll check but it. But I'll I'll say now that those those guys that he just mentioned have come back. Yeah. I mean it's this is a, a pretty loaded deal and yep. and uh the little bulldog Cronin has this thing churning now to go after. <laughs> they were so close. They were. I mean it wasn't Fun team a, to watch. a forty footer. If it wasn't for a forty footer, man. What a game that was. What a game. Mm -hmm. Just remember, it's not a lie if you believe it. All right, we have time for one more. It's our daily fan poll sponsored by Riker Kia. And it's would you where would you currently rank Ryan Day as a football coach in college football because of that big pro football focus story that came out yesterday and he wasn't in that top twenty. Where would you have him? First or second? Third or fourth? Or outside the top four? Okay, so I, I don't is understand. It? It's not in the top 20. I mean, I, I don't know how you define great coaches. Maybe he hasn't been around long enough. It's maybe something weird with the criteria. I don't know. <laughs> it's sort of but, like, <laughs> I think one of the biggest pieces of criteria yeah. was how did it over-exceed expectation? Oh, oh well, God. come on. You, you, I've got it up here. I, I Let me read you the top four. Right, you ahead. tell me. Yeah. Nick Saban, one. Dabble Swinney, two. That's Kirby fine. Smart, three. Lincoln Riley, four. Those are yours? No, that's PFL. Oh. Um... 
You got well, Dan you got, Mullen. You got, you got, you got, got Dan Mullen at five. Pat Fitzgerald at six. Well, that oh. and then that's why that's a uh, well, and I think Fitz does a really good job at Northwestern. Um, I mean, they've won their division. They've reached the Big Ten title last what two out of the last three years. They always get picked to finish near the bottom. Like I, mm. like I actually think it fits probably fits that criteria the best. Um, Ryan Day is a top ten college football coach. Yeah, there's no by question. anyone's measure. Yeah. Now, also, what's defined in that is your assistants and how you recruit and how you develop. Um, now, I can't put them ahead of those dudes with a natty yet. I can't. Like, and I won't. There's no reason to. But that's not a diss. That's right. a you got to go do it and. I will tell you this, that win over Clemson last year was solidified him as one of the top coaches in college football. They had come out of the Northwestern game. They were ripe for the plucking. Here's Clemson that try to exercise demons. Trevor Lawrence. Come on, man. That that was that's a huge deal. Yep. So now would I put him ahead of Lincoln Riley and Kirby Smart and those guys? It's close. It's really close, and I think Brian Day has something to prove over the next three years with this recruiting class. Can he win a title? Um, and so does Lincoln Riley. He has the same uh, deal to prove. The NFL wants him so badly, and Oklahoma's not letting that happen, and probably for right reason. Kirby Smart's been doing a pretty good job here. He's been recruiting in a very tough conference, and he's got to get his shot soon, and maybe that'll come this year um, if he can... By the way, they play Clemson right out of the gate. And we're going to find out about Kirby right away. Yep. But but Ryan Day is a solidified top, borderline top five, and cemented top ten right now. Yep. And now he's yep. got to live up to all the expectations with the talent that he and his staff have brought in. Enough said. Well done. And the truth shall set you free. All right, we come back with Joey Kaufman. Speaking of Ohio State football, we'll dig into all the question marks and excitement that's coming your way this fall with him. That's next, Rothman and Ice on The Fan. Head to 971thefan.com to listen on demand and subscribe to all our podcasts. Wasting time has never been easier. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Insightful and thought-provoking sports conversation for your lunch hour. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back in. Ohio State football beat writer for the Columbus Dispatch. He is Joey Kaufman. He joins us now on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Joey, welcome back. Hey, how are you guys? Doing well, doing well. There will be a lot of excitement here soon enough for Ohio State football. I said this yesterday on the air that um, I think the quarterback job is C.J. Stroud's to lose in my mind. But that doesn't mean he can't lose it. How do you feel about it? That's a fair way to put it. I think I think it's a good way to put it. I think when you watch him in the spring game, he looked to me like the favorite, but I wouldn't call it overwhelmingly fashion. You still have a couple more weeks of fall camp and, and things for them to, to sort it out. So I don't see any reason why he couldn't lose it. There's still enough practice time for somebody else to, to gain a leg up on him. But he looked like the, the most comfortable quarterback from what we saw back in April. Joey, hey, it's Jensen. Uh, we saw the uh, All-America preseason teams uh, be released on Tuesday. Uh, four Buckeyes making the list, two of them on the uh, first team, and Chris Olave and Haskell Garrett, and then uh, junior wideout Garrett Wilson and uh, offensive tackle Thayer Munford on second team selections. 
Uh, of those four, and it might be just too early for this considering what we went through with COVID last year, but uh, of those four, who is the most detrimental to the Buckeyes' chances of getting to a national title game if they were to lose one of the four for a significant time? I think Haskell Garrett maybe because that's a spot where you're already losing Tommy Togiai, and I think that is where they make their they make their bones on defense is, is what is the pressure they're able to bring up front and not having Tommy Togiai back and, and having some really inexperience in the back end of the defense. You're going to have a whole new cast of linebackers. You have some new faces in the secondary. I think they're going to have to lean on the defensive line as much as they can. So, so to lose him, I think, for, for an injury or for any period, any period of time would be really costly while on the offensive side of the ball you have, I think, just a, a luxury of of wide receivers, so not that anybody is is replaceable at Chris Olave or Jerry Wilson's level, but at least you have, I think, more weapons there than maybe you do on the defensive side. Uh, the defensive side is certainly the big deal, right? Because that's you know, and not and there there wasn't much you could do against Alabama. Uh, certainly, they got torched, and most every team would against that offense. But trying to create more pressure on Mac Jones, they could have. Um, it didn't happen, but. Um, how do you feel about this defense? You've got uh, a lot of dudes back in the linebacking core, um, kind of rebooting this thing. Uh, where's your concern with this defense, and where's the hope? I think, to me, it's the concern still rests in the secondary because you you saw them really struggle to keep up with Alabama's receivers in the title game. <laughs> Granted, as you said, that I don't know anybody who was really going to slow down the Heisman Trophy winner and, and Jerry Judy, um, but to me, I think that's where they need to, to really grow. Kerry Combs earlier in his time at Ohio State was, was known for developing cornerbacks. And I think you need to see that out of this next group. I think you need to see Seven Banks take a leap forward. I think you need to see Cameron Brown come off um, his injury from last year. I think you need to see Ryan Watts um, really step into form as a, as a second-year guy. So I think cornerback development, I think development of the secondary is really where I think the next season is going to hinge a lot on. Uh, Joey, we talked uh, previous segment uh, just about uh, Ryan Day and uh, some lists that came out about uh, him uh, not being in the top uh, ten, top twenty of football coaches uh, according to to PFF. Um, it, I would beg to differ on a, just the recruiting side alone, and I think you can take maybe the Western United States as a, a great. Uh, reason of, hey, kids are coming hours, uh, time zones away to play at Ohio State, and I get the pedigree, but uh, is that a, is that just a, in a, in a maybe an immeasurable difference maker of why Ryan Day should be one of the top 10 coaches, if not a top five coach in all college football? Yeah, I saw that list yesterday, and that was quite an omission, and I don't know if it was designed <laughs> to get hate clicks from Ohio State fans. Mm-hmm. Or- maybe. If it's a slow time in July, I mean, it is a slow time in the in the web traffic business, so maybe that was the the whole ploy. But I don't know. To me, in Ryan Day's tenure, has really been defined by how much he's widened the gap with Ohio State and the rest of the Big Ten, and the level of recruiting has picked up. He hasn't lost to a conference-level opponent. So I think on a lot of these lists, he tends to get overlooked because it seemed like he took – I mean, granted, it's a little bit like being born on third base and inheriting the program from – Urban Meyer, but I mean, they've come speeding in the home, I think, really fast, and I think he deserves credit for that as well, certainly. Um, I mean, how this offense goes, the quarterback has the weapons, that's for sure, but 
Um, I saw in the spring game, you know, they were they were throwing to the running backs. They were throwing to Williams. They were throwing to Travion Henderson. Um, your anticipation of what this backfield will look like, committee most of the year, or does uh, one person become the bell cow? I expect there to be a little bit of a feeling out process early in the year, so I think it will certainly lean toward committee early in the year. And I, and I think in a lot of ways, too, they're going to rely on multiple guys because they might just run the ball more. You're going to have an inexperienced quarterback, and you're going to play a Big Ten team week one at Minnesota. You're going to play Oregon week two, a pretty good Pac-12 team, which could be ranked in the, the preseason top 10, top 15. So I would expect them to, to not rely so much on your quarterback, and, and I think you're going to probably mix in a couple different guys. So early on, I, I think it's really going to be by committee. I think if, if somebody really comes into form, maybe maybe Travion Henderson is, is really the real deal. Maybe he's able to become – what J.K. Dobbins was as, as a freshman, or, or maybe Master Teague has really recovered from the Achilles, and maybe one of them steps into the primary running back role. But it seems to me that they're going to run the ball enough where you're going to want to use multiple guys, and they have enough talented guys there. I didn't even mention Mayan Williams as well. Um, so I think there, there's reason to think that they will use multiple guys pretty pretty much throughout the year. Joey, last one for me, and uh, a, a tradition in baseball we have is uh, if you acquire a uh, a veteran or an impact player who's been in the league a long time and you wear the jersey number that uh, they wore on uh, their previous team, uh, you may be in line for a, a possible gift of sorts to uh, exchange that number for another one. Uh, we've seen it now at the Ohio State uh, football team where you've got Jack Sawyer uh, who was helping out in the recruiting process with JTT, and he's on record saying, hey, I, I was initially set to wear number 33, but I told JTT if he came that he would give it up. Uh, pretty neat story there. Uh, how, how great is it to see these guys, the camaraderie, already starting before JTT even hits campus? I think it's it's cool to see because in a lot of ways their stories are going to be intertwined at Ohio State. I mean, they're the two highest-rated defensive recruits Ohio State has signed in, in the modern era, and they're both freshmen, and they're going to anchor the defensive line in the years to come, and it's inconceivable if not this year, as soon as next year, you're going to see JTT on one end of the defensive line and Jack Sawyer on the other end of the defensive line. So it's going to be a uh, pretty good pairing there, and it's want to see them have some chemistry. Good stuff. Thanks, Joey. Appreciate Thanks, you jumping Joey. on, man. I'm sure we'll be talking to you as we get closer to the fall. Thanks, man. Hey, thanks for having me. You got it. Joey was on the Bryant Heating Cooling Systems fan guest hotline. Uh, the winner of our family four-pack of tickets to the Good Guys Car Show is Rick Columbus. Don't miss the Good Guys 23rd Summit Racing Nationals Car Show July 9th through the 11th at the Ohio Expo Center. Get complete details, purchase tickets, or register your ride at good-guys.com. And Rick knew that I my early pick is Joey yeah. Beast Mode Gallo. Yes. Oh, Rob. It's Rob Columbus. My bad. Okay. Um, and so off you go. You have an early pick. I won't, we don't have to cement this. God, it's hard to go away from the favorite. <laughs> it really is. Showtime. I, I may have to side with Showtime, although I think there's value. I think there is value mm. on a dark horse candidate. We'll reveal that tomorrow. All right. I like that. NFL two-minute drill up next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Can't get enough Buckeyes? We've got you covered. The Buckeye Show. The Buckeye Show. Weeknights at 6. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. 
time for the NFL two-minute drill. Sponsored by Dr. Mark Levy. Stop snoring and start sleeping now. Visit sleepbettercolumbus.com today. All right, NFL two-minute drill. CB, you can get supersized on Twitter now. The NFL re-upping their partnership with the social media site. Twitter. Exactly. Multi-year partnership that will include expanded engagements, formats, full season commitment to produce exclusive content on Twitter spaces. Twitter. Twitter will also continue to be a home for the game's biggest moments. All the touchdowns, leaping catches, incredible runs, and celebrations from season kickoff to the Super Bowl. Twitter. Yep. There you go. That's fine. Well done, NFL. Keep it churning. Uh, Derek Carr claims that he was not the mystery quarterback that Tom Brady was referring to when he said, you're going to stick with that blank blanker. Uh, Some of the league insisted that it was the Raiders quarterback, that he was the unnamed blank blank. Carr says he's not as far as he knows. From what I know, it wasn't me, which is good. Carr told brother from another on Wednesday, I know you got the rings, but if it's not me, then we're good. What I heard, it wasn't me. And so I'm good with that. I think Shefty talked us into it. It was Trubisky. That it was the Bears. Okay. Makes sense. Um, makes a little more sense. Didn't want to go there, but as soon as they found out, as soon as he found out they were dropping out of the race, and then he said, you're sticking with that blank blank over me. So I'm, I'm, I'm with Derek Carr. I don't think it was yeah. him. No. Don't concern yourself with Tommy. Do you see the story that uh, Sean McDonough said uh, he was told to make uh, Monday Night Football, quote, more controver- uh, conversational, and John Gruden didn't want it, and it was awkward? Conversational or controversial? Uh, it says conversational. All right, it says, uh, the quote was, there were times it came across okay. as being awkward, and it was awkward. It was awkward for me. You're standing there next to somebody wondering, if I ask him a question about this, is he going to answer it, or is he going to be annoyed that I asked him? So it was mm-hmm. uncomfortable. I mean, anything's better than better than Tess and Booger. I'll have uh, to but, read about that one. I don't, I don't, it's, it's interesting to me, I mean, making it more fan-friendly, which is what I would say is conversational, just talking like, you know, asking the questions to Gruden that, that fans would want to know, like maybe mm-hmm. not making it ultra-analytical, right. like just make, like dumbing it down, for the lack of a better phrase. I'm going to send you, I'll send you the article, because uh, I, I think you'll enjoy it. Okay, yeah, so, but if Gruden didn't want to be just regular dude, I get that also. Mm-hmm. Like, just, he's there to analyze football, and that's yeah. what Gruden likes to do. He's, yeah. you know... That, and that's part of it because McDonough says when I was hired, part of what I was instructed to do was to try to make it more conversational, make it a little lighter, bring out more of John Gruden's personality that you used to see from time to time on that quarterback show that he did QB camp and get into more storytelling. Mm-hmm. And he said, to be totally candid, John Gruden enjoyed the X and O part of it. He loved the Telestrator. He told me when I first got the job, I don't like stories. It's not story time with... With Gruden, huh? No, he's right. not. That's fine. I, I'm, you know what? It's to me. I know there's a lot, a lot going on there with, uh, you know, how people perceive the games depending mm-hmm. on who's announcing them, mm-hmm. and it's been around for a long time that way. But I mean, McDonough's very good at what he does. 
Yeah. Um, the only criticism Gruden's faced in his career is that he's not critical enough on the air, that he loves everyone. Love yeah. that guy. Love that um, guy. But that's, that's about he's it. He's a grinder. That's about he's it. Not confused. Uh, the Athletics reporting that Anthony Schwartz is likely to begin the season as a special teams contributor for the Browns. Yeah. Um, why not? They're pretty deep uh, yeah. everywhere else. Yeah, so he, he, he runs the, the 100 meter in the nine flat. So get him back there and let him take it to the house. Yeah, that'd be nice. He could earn, uh, absolutely, he can earn his, his stripes there. That's fine. And if he starts out his career as a special teams guy, that's fine. Although um, I don't think he's been a return man, has he? Nothing I, when he was at I Auburn. I don't. Uh, I remember him being back there. I don't think he there. was. Yeah, so that'd be something new. I mean, I'm all for taking it to the house, J. Lou, but don't, don't fumble it on the way or before. Correct. Correct. Or, or drop said punt. Can't have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Any other NFL news? I don't see a whole lot other than when I asked you about Zach Ertz because I was trying to figure out whether I was going to go with Goddard over Hawkinson. Yeah. It yeah, does yeah, yeah. appear that the Buffalo Bills are zeroing in on him. and uh, More toys for Josh Allen? Oh, uh-huh. boy. That would be nice. I'm, wow. His era in Philly is coming to an end. That's fine. Yeah, Offload him this summer. He's 30. Um, but that'd be a great addition, I agree with you. Um, 2020 was one of his worst. Mm-hmm. and But he's, he's shown enough over time that I think that he would have a nice bounce back. Um, so... We'll, we'll look at that. It's going to take a lot of money, won't it? I would, I would think yeah. so. I, I don't, don't even know what their caps is. I mean, they still got to sign Josh yeah. Allen. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a decent amount of cash. All right. That's today's NFL two-minute drill. All right, big fella. Reach the finish line. Fun show. Thanks for tagging along. Uh, tomorrow we'll come back. We'll zero in on the Derby. Uh, we'll recap game two of the NBA Finals. You and I are both in on the under of 220 and a half. Yep. So we'll see if we're happy campers tomorrow. Have a great Amen. afternoon. Keep it locked here on The Fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware.